Good evening and welcome to Insight. I am Gino, your host, and sitting next to me, Pastor Matt Van Braben. Pastor, what's how up, are you what's tonight? What's up? What's up? I'm good. How about yourself? Good. Good. I like calling you Pastor. Yeah. <laughs> Makes me feel semi-important. Feel, you feeling <laughs> good? You feeling good? Yeah. Yeah, I've got that. I've got that moniker now, and it's like everybody now. And now, even family members are like, "Is that what we're supposed to call you now?" And I'm like, <laughs> "Matt's fine. <laughs> you know, it's really okay. I'm not into like formalities. It's all right." Yeah, my next door neighbor, their their nephew is. They, he goes by PT Preacher Tim, yeah. so he's an ordained yeah, yeah. pastor too. So you could go by like PM or something, Preacher right or PMS. So PM. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing. That's like and just like, mm-hmm. so what are we what are we gonna call you? We're we gonna call you Pastor Matt, Pastor G. What are we gonna call you? I'm like, call me whatever you want. Just don't call me any bad names. <laughs> Pastors, I don't know. It would be hard being a pastor, I think. There's a lot to live up to. So if you like screw up and everybody knows you're a pastor, you know it's like, oh, Oh no! Like whispering behind your back, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, he's doing this!" And did you see what Matt did last week? Can you believe I think he said that? I think they're doing that anyways, man. Probably. I think I think the I think the title just gives them uh just gives them that much more ammunition to attack you for being human. <laughs> yeah, it does. If I'm being that's, completely truthful, that's why I don't have anything on my car or anything like that. You know, I don't have. Oh, I said car. I hope Joyful June's not out there yet. I swore I wasn't going to say that word anymore. It's vehicle or uh, auto uh, yeah. or something it's else. It's a transportation device. Transportation. <laughs> no, I was yeah. getting ripped on for saying that word and the way I say it. Say, Go ahead ah. and say it. Yeah. yeah so, <laughs> I got to stop it's like, like that. It's, I, it yeah. gave me a complex a little bit. No, I'm just joking. It didn't. But right, it's funny because right. it's become this running joke. Last night we were doing our show. We had the guy that wrote the original Matrix script on again. And, sure. um, and he's like, we were talking about something. And I said that word. And all of a sudden, Joyful June comes out of nowhere and pops in the chat out of lurk mode. <laughs> She's, I heard she you say fly. C-A-R. And she then, flies in yeah, there. Like out of nowhere. It was amazing. <laughs> she like swoops right in. What did I tell oh, yeah. you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, How well. dare you? I don't know. How it is weird, though. You? Like. Do you ever like listen to yourself? Like, do you ever go back and listen to a show and you're like, ooh? Not really. No. <laughs> Not typically. Uh, you know, I, I my my wife, you know, she makes uh she's gotten to the point now where I had to like show her how to make reels and things like that. I'm sure you've seen them. Oh my gosh, there she just is. <laughs> there she is. With a DeLorean. Yep. Got them butterfly nose. <laughs> Yeah, my uh, wife makes, uh, you know, she makes these reels, you know, about like daily scriptures and things like that. And, you know, I'll I'll peek around the corner and I look and she's watching herself. <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, she like almost flings the phone like, <laughs> what are you doing? What are you, what are you, I, what are you watching there? I, I do watch probably a third of my shows, but not the whole thing because I'm. Sometimes it's cool when you have like really good guests on, you don't always get to hear everything they're talking about. And I know that sounds crazy because I'm the one hosting, but yeah, like yeah. honestly, I'm you're manning the controls, you're thinking about questions, you're trying to um, take in other information, you're reading the chat. I got some stuff going on my computer, so like I miss a lot of what's going on sometimes during a show. 
Sure. Yeah. So yeah. I like going back and listening to the guests because they're very interesting people that we have on a lot. So, I, you know, and but then I hear myself and I'm like, oh gosh, cringe. <laughs> Who's this guy? <laughs> Who's like, this Joker? So annoying. I have you all in my ears. Just made two pumpkin. Oh, pumpkin pies. Are you? Oh. Man, pie with, man, the season. It, is there anything better than a pumpkin pie with whipped cream in it? But it's got to be cold. I don't like warm pumpkin pie. It is pretty delicious. I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah. For for those that might be in disagreements to the 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 adoration for pumpkin pie, they can keep it to themselves. Oh. <laughs> um, what are you, you going to you gonna do, Pastor? Go beat them up? Nope. I'll pray for them. Sure you will. Yeah, yeah. Get you to get you delivered from that poor taste buds. <laughs> Joyful June, a hundred percent. She said, "When I watch myself, I can only notice all the times I say um. It bugs me. Oh my gosh, um <laughs> is definitely one of my things. And I'll yeah. say, and then I I'll say something like um. Now I'm not going to be able to remember, of course, but like I think I say that a lot. Um, yeah. There's like four or five things, and I'm just like, oh gosh, just shut up, dude. Like just knock it off. And I don't know how you stop doing that. Like, I, I saw a video on YouTube, this commercial. This guy's a professional speaker or something. And apparently, if you say um and stuff, then that means it shows the audience that you're not, you're either not really engaged or you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so that's, I'm like, right. oh, that's you don't great. Have the, okay. yeah, you don't have the material down. I guess. So you're just using, they call them filler words. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's. That's a thing. Um, uh, you know, all these different little sounds that we make. Little filler <laughs> words. R on Rumble. Lame. Okay, this is another thing. So I was calling, if you go to Rumble and look at who's in the chat, I said lamit, laminate lie. That's what I've been calling this chatter. And last night he told me it's lamanite. And it has to do with the Mormon church, apparently. Um, and I didn't know that. So if I've been calling them laminate live. But see, here's my excuse for that. I'm a contractor. So sure. like laminate countertops and laminate floors, or I do a lot of that stuff. So it's like I just kind of automatically assumed it was laminate, not lamanite. So I have clearly, I it's, clearly it's yeah. lamanite. Yeah. Everybody knows that. Everybody knows that. Apparently, except for you. Yeah, there's no way I had known that. Oh yeah, come on. I had uh, I had a friend in I had a friend in high school, and his name was Layman. His name Wait, was actually Layman. How was it spelled? It was L A M E N. Layman. Oh. Last name. His, his name is well. I won't release his last name, but anyways, his name was Layman, and so he used to get so mad because we would always say uh, we just got to put this into Layman's terms. And he's like, <laughs> yeah. he's like, he's so like, he's like. <laughs> like so, everybody be careful we gotta make easy. sure we put it in layman's terms that's just too easy. i mean he's a layman man that's a that's a different name that's a different name i've never heard of another one anyway laymanite said uh pms yeah. i'm out i'm out <laughs> pms yeah. wow that scares every male in the audience right now they yeah. don't want to hear those three letters for sure right 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 it is terrifying well, isn't it Sure, man. Listen, I had a wife and two daughters that at one time they were like all synchronized oh, and it was like baby. shark week over here. It was like does, shark week. And I was the only one happen? on the menu. How, do, 
<laughs> like I was the how, only one on the menu. How does that synchronicity thing work? I do not understand how that. It happens. I always thought it, I never knew it was real. I always thought, okay, yeah, whatever. And then you know, you, you find got, out, you're like, oh my gosh, like it's real. Like how is that it possible? Israel, you have, you have, yeah, you got you got children, man. You know, I mean, same dude. It it it's, it was a real thing. Did, did I just kind of like hide in a corner of the basement for a week. And out in the shed. Right. June said June said she had a student back in 2013-14 named Messiah, and his twin sister was also in my class. Her name was Heaven. Hmm. Nice. Messiah and Heaven. Right on. Well, I don't I mean... know if I could do that. Like, could you... I don't know. My kids are pretty normal names, I guess. Um, but, like, I, when you tag... Like, okay, I'll give you a... <laughs> this is really bad. So my art teacher growing up, and I'm still friends with... His name is Peter Long. Okay, like I, like I just don't. Why would you do that to your kid? You know what I'm saying? Oh, your wife must be talking to you. She was, yeah, yeah, okay. she was. Would you name your kid Peter Long, Matt? Um, no, no, I don't think I would. I don't think I would. You know, back you uh, think through that. Well, I don't know. I mean. I, I guess I guess it just all depends on the context, you know what I mean? It all depends on the context in which you're using it. Because I yeah, was I uh when I was in when I was in high school, I had uh this this dude that I would encounter at wrestling tournaments. He was like it seemed like every tournament I went to, this guy was there. And his name was Harold Balzac. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> no. Oh I, I'm, I'm, I'm serious, man. What? I'm dead serious. And the thing is, the sad part about it was when they would like announce, you know, like who was who <laughs> the next match was. You'd hear them snicker over the microphone. Oh my gosh! Come on. <laughs> you know, it was like, why wow. would you do that to your kid? Wow. <laughs> I mean, it was that, that. That's a rough one. That's a rough okay. one. Victoria, true, better than short. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> well, that's the, that's the okay. thing. Yeah. See, that's a good point. That's a good point. For the longest time, I, I'm friends with him to this day. And I didn't know. That in high school, everybody thought his middle name was Harold. So we thought it was <laughs> Long Harry Peter, right? And so we went. <laughs> and I honestly believed it. I really thought his middle name was Harold. So, you know, we've been friends forever. And so we were out, like, this is like three or four years ago. And I still call him Mr. Long. Like, it's because it's weird calling your teacher something other than that. And so I'm like, I, I said, okay, we got to set the record straight tonight. I said, what is your middle name? And it was like John or something. I don't know, whatever it was. And I'm like, oh, thank God. It's not Harold. He's like, what? I'm like, well, everybody used to think your middle name was Harold in high school. He's like, he's like, come on. No, they did. I said, yes, everybody told me, at least I believed it. I thought everybody else did too, that your middle name was Harold. So he was, you know, he was kind of laughing about it, whatever. But I mean, can you... I don't know what, I think it was Jonathan. I think that was his real middle name. So that kind of like, I would just go by like John Long. <laughs> well, maybe I would <laughs> think about it. Hmm. John Long. Hmm. Long John Sobers. Yeah, maybe I wouldn't go by that. I don't know, man. That's a, that's a whole thing. That's a whole nother thing. When I worked, I worked at McDonald's when I was in, a, when I was in high school. And my manager's name was Johnny Cage. That's kind of cool, was, actually. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> That was a character for Mortal Kombat. There was actually oh, a character in the game Mortal Kombat called Johnny Cage. Hmm. 
And so, of course, when people found out his name, it was just Johnny Cage wins. <laughs> it was like Johnny <laughs> Cage. It's like where they people would bring him pairs of sunglasses because the character, like when he would win, he'd put on these sunglasses. Johnny Cage. Like, Actually, well, I like that. I, I kind of like that. I would. I yeah, would man. With that. All right. Well, um, I got to be honest, Matt. I planned on getting some videos and stuff together and i really didn't <laughs> i was too wow, busy all day dude. i got stuck i was looking at a friend's job that he wants done a basement i'm gonna do and i was over at his house for like six hours today going over the layout of the basement so it was like i didn't have a lot of time and then i had to get home then there was dinner homework with the kid you know the whole thing going on so i did have a couple saved videos over on tiktok that i was going to use for my blender show but what the heck blender's not coming up this sunday Whoa. because of christmas so why don't we just show some of the stuff that I had saved for that show over here? And Tutorially, long duck dong, a <laughs> sexy girlfriend. That's One of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Sixteen <laughs> Candles has got to be. It, isn't that like a classic? Like there's some movies that they'll just never not be funny. The like Breakfast every, Club. I I do like The Breakfast Club, but it's not one of my faves. I think I think if I had to list my favorite comedies. And like, you know, teen awkward years or whatever. It's like probably 16 Candles, Weird Science. Weird um, Science. Horror movies, if you want to consider Aliens a horror movie. I like Aliens. I still think that holds up after all this You weren't time. into Pretty in Pink? No. No, not my uh, thing. What was the other one, though? Oh, uh, Ferris Bueller, of course. That's always sure. a classic. Um, yep. What would be another one in that era of time? Airplane's always good. I still laugh at Airplane. My wife top, said that uh, Top Gun, her, not uh, Top Gun, uh, Naked Gun. The Naked Gun. Well, that's those are two entirely different movies. Yeah, two different. I don't really. <laughs> those like are top two Gun. entirely different movies. No, my uh, my wife was saying she was telling me before that her cousin Tiffany was like obsessed with the the movie <clears throat> Ferris Bueller, and so like every time she stayed over there, she was like, "We got to watch Ferris Bueller," and so she's like, "I saw that movie so many times." <laughs> so many times i think she that's, she got her fill back then that she never needs to see it again see that's me with star wars the original star wars episode four the first one that came out like i have i matt i don't even know how many times i've seen it it's got to be three four hundred times it has to be i used to my cousins were before the vhs was popular and anybody even had them my cousins always had the latest technology right because their dad just loved tech stuff so he had the first VHS player, and then he had a wow, bootleg wow. copy. He had a bootleg copy of Star Wars, like in 1979 or 80. So, so he was into I, he was into the tech game, and he had people out on the streets that were popping I trunks. I honestly don't know how he did it, but he had the VHS tape. So we and then in his basement, my dad had remodeled his basement, and he had a big screen TV on the wall, the projection wow. kind, which would yeah. no one had those back then. So I got to go in his basement and watch Star Wars every time I was over there. And it was like you were in the movie theater. It was so cool. He had a great sound system and stuff. So every time I went over there, my cousins hated it. They're like, you're just going to watch Star Wars again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which I did. Yeah. I mean, but. I mean, you know, I mean, it is what it is. It is what it is. My, uh, my generation was, I guess, a little different. Um, the things that I was interested in, I was never really super into Star Wars. Kind of couldn't stand Star Trek. Uh, my I, yeah, I don't like Star. Trek. My father-in-law is a big Trekkie. He loves Star Trek. And I was like, no, 
this isn't just i don't know this isn't my deal it's never really into sci-fi movies too much you know like sci-fi space shows it's never really my deal i don't have a i mean the the movies are the movies are good but it just wasn't really my thing i was more into like action adventure movies yeah yeah you know? like rambo rambo's still one of my favorites like uh first blood the first one that was really sure nice. i could watch that a million times traumatize you a little bit yeah great movie first blood yeah. is such a I, I like every time i watch that it's like watching it for the first time i don't know what it is about that monty movie. pythons My, were yeah. funny he, i never that english humor though man sometimes i just don't get it you're kidding me man the, the search for the holy grail when the king's running around through the forest and he's got a guy behind him just clapping coconuts together, making the horse sounds. <laughs> I mean, there's funny moments. Come I get on. it. But like like Benny Hill, I never got Benny Hill. I just did not understand it. What was the other? There was another English show on right around the same time as Benny Hill. Oh, gosh. Whatever. It was the same thing. Like, I just didn't get the jokes. Maybe I was just too young. I don't know. You should, you should watch... Uh the monty pythons the life of brian i think i might have seen that <laughs> yeah i think i i'm pretty sure i've seen like three or i don't know whatever i definitely saw holy grail i know that i don't yeah, we I watched just, it I in school i had a math teacher who was into it when it's, i was in like ninth grade it's the english like i love the english accent when they're trying to be when they sound smart but for comedy, like, I just, like, I don't know. I missed the punchline or something. It's weird. I don't get it. Anyway. The, the Life of Brian, it was kind of interesting because The Life of Brian was about this dude named Brian who was born two stables away from Jesus. And <laughs> so it's like, it, it's, it's, it's a whole thing. Like, it, it, he's, like, dealing with the, the stardom of Jesus He's like, I was born two stables away. <laughs> like, how do you know that he's the Messiah? It could have been me. Yeah, the life of Brian. That one was, uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's kind of funny, to be honest with you. But the search for the Holy Grail was another one. Like I said, I had a math teacher who was like, who loved those movies. So when we had like free days, you know, days where you... I'm assuming maybe he drank too much the night before and didn't feel like doing anything. Probably. He's like, movie day. <laughs> we were all like, yes, movie. And it was I always like... like, it was always a Star Wars movie or like Monty Python's. <laughs> I love uh, all the Austin Powers movies. Those are still good. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I got worn out with Mike Myers because for a while there, like he was like, he was everything. He was in yeah. everything. You know, he was just in everything, and the, you, you go through the same phases with like Jim Carrey. He was in like everything. Yep. Adam Sandler, same thing. Mm -hmm. You know, Happy Gilmore though, man. Happy Gilmore, I could watch a million times too. The Wedding Singer was a great one too. The wedding Singer was good. Yep. Yeah, they're still good. I don't know, like all the movies that come out now, I can't even think. Well, first of all, I hate entertainment now, dealing with the trafficking stuff and not understanding what goes on through Hollywood. But if I have watched a movie, I I don't, I think the last one I watched, I was kind of forced into it was Top Gun: The Return or whatever they called that last one. Sure. And I had only seen the first one one time because I couldn't stand it. Um, so I was just like, wait, Goose was dead. <laughs> I didn't even I, I honestly <laughs> didn't know that. 
<laughs> okay that's like that's like the saddest part of the movie i know i had no idea <laughs> you know i mean that's like the tearjerker part of the movie right there yeah i mean i don't know the, the only movies i've really gotten into probably more probably over the last like decade is the marvel movies but that's just yeah. because you know i've been i've been a, a big like my star wars is marvel you know, I've always Which been into one, the comic like, books. Iron Man's are good. I like the Iron Man movies. But the uh, I loved I loved the Guardians oh. of the Galaxy series. Oh yeah, yeah, those are good. They're I loved all I loved all those movies. I uh, I thought the Thor movies were good. Um, obviously Infinity War. Come on, that had yeah, like every, Infinity War was everybody nice. in it. Yeah. You know, there's there's a bunch of good Spider Man movies. The Venom movies were good. Marvel just puts I, out high quality movies. But I gotta tell you, the, the Spider Man thing. It's a little old, don't you think? My like brother, they keep having new characters and new guy, the new guy playing Spider Man. Like it's just. My brother loves Spider Man. My brother loves Spider Man. He's forty-one years old. Loves Spider Man. <laughs> yeah, I don't get it. He's seen everything, and now his four-year-old daughter has seen everything, and so yeah. she knows. You know, now she's into Spider Spider Man and Spider Gwen and. There was even the in one of the cartoon versions. They even had like a Peter Porker. He was a pig, <laughs> <laughs> like Spider Pig, Peter Porker. Uh, yeah, Beetlejuice. See that that was Beetlejuice. One. Is Beetlejuice. Good. But you know what? I, my favorite, probably my favorite movie with um, Michael um, Keaton, Keaton is Mr. Mom. That's okay. such a classic. Mr. Mom yeah. is a great movie. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. He Michael like, Keaton was in a lot of movies too, if you think about it. He was for a while. He's a yeah. he. He was. He's a. He's a. He's a talented guy. He was a bat. He was Batman, man. He was. He was a good Batman too. I liked him. <laughs> like he was Batman. He was. He, he was like the the first yeah. like like official big screen Batman. So Adam, good to see you, brother. Good to see Adam Hugapug. What's going on? Yeah, yeah I don't Caddyshack's know. I think... another one too. Caddyshack. Caddyshack's a classic. I mean, I, I, uh, there's, there's some movies that are just like always going to be there, right? Like, like Airplane's one of them. Airplane's always there. You can always go back and watch it. It's still funny. Like, there's yeah, lots of like great that, lines. That scene where it's like, this is what happens when the poop hits the fan, and then it <laughs> yeah, comes through the floor and so, hits the fan. So, so <laughs> there's so and many great covers. Everybody in there. It's like movies wow, like best ever. Spider I love Pug. Nick, Naked Guns, <laughs> Spider. Naked Gun is still classic too. The first one is probably the my favorite one with yeah. O.J. Simpson in it. Yep, Leslie Nielsen. Yeah, Good that stuff. was another funny guy. That was another funny guy. Uh, what was uh he was in? What was the what was the spoof comedy he was in where he was a vampire? Oh yeah, that movie kind of sucked though, didn't it? Where he was he was like a Count Dracula. I can't remember. Yeah, I've seen it. Love at first bite or something like that, or is that the one? So, something like that. But you know, it's just kind of funny because he like runs into windows and things like that. He's just a yeah. really terrible vampire. You know what's weird though? Did you know Leslie Nielsen? He was like a straight actor. He was not a comedian or anything. Like if you watch his original like older movies, he was like the straight guy. There was no comedies. He was like a serious actor and stuff. And then he he becomes this like I don't know. Like he's the perfect person for those roles like you can't imagine anybody else playing the roles he plays right 
Yeah. He's just so good at it. Like, well, he's he's not around anymore, but was really good at it. What about Rodney Dangerfield? Oh yeah, Rodney was awesome. He was great. back to back to school. Back to school. The triple Lindy, isn't that what he had? To <laughs> yeah, do that's the, the what diet? it was too. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah, for sure. The triple Lindy. Rodney Dangerfield. That's another one. My mother-in-law awesome. used to have. Uh, she she had the little gopher from Caddyshack, and it would dance around and you know play the music. I'm all right. And my dog hated it. My dog hated that thing with like it, like with a serious passion, hated it, like saw it as a major threat. So my mother-in-law would bring it out and torture him with it. Like just torture him with it. He would lose his mind, make these like high pitched squeals, like <laughs> literally the devil himself was staring him in his eyes. He did not know what to think about that little dancing gopher. Yeah. Good stuff. So, oh, okay. So Dracula dead and loving it, Adam said. And so did there Chops. Go. Chop, good to see you, Chops. Dracula dead and loving it. Bad golf made easier is great. You know, actually, Mel Brooks, that's a good point. Spaceballs, another one of my favorite movies. Right. Man, yeah. Spaceballs is such a classic. We were just talking about so that the other day. Lines. I mean, a buddy of mine, we are just talking about that scene where they're out combing the desert. <laughs> it's <laughs> just like this sort of stuff you would never get away with today. It's so fun. You know, the oh two white gosh. dudes have like a have like a regular comb, and then they give the two <laughs> the two pick. black dudes a pick. <laughs> like, so see, listen, slapstick comedy, you know, but you could never get away with that stuff today. The movie Blazing Saddles. Oh yeah, boys. That would. Well, yeah, like it was. It was uh, Gene. What was his last name? Not Hackman. That was the other guy. Gene, whatever. And then you got um, the comedian Richard, whatever. <laughs> what? Gosh, I'm blanking on all the names. Oh my gosh. Richard Pryor. Richard Pryor. Pryor. And Gene, whatever. And he was actually in Young Frankenstein too. That's actually pretty good. Young Frankenstein's a good movie. Yeah, yep. but Blazing Saddles was definitely good. And then Eddie Murphy, dude. Like, what about, like, Beverly Hills Cop 1 is still great. Although, I got to say, maybe it's not great. I watched it recently because my son, he's like, I've never seen it. I'm like, all right, well, we'll watch. It wasn't that funny, man. I was like, I thought it was better than this. Um, but then, like, but <laughs> Trading Places, there. Trading Places is still a great movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. That was a good one. That was a good one. Gene I Wilder, like thank one. you, June. Gene Wilder, yep. yep. Willy Wonka. Oh, Willy yeah, Wonka. Was, he was great in that, wasn't he? In the original Willy Wonka. I think he was the best one. I mean, the the Me new too. the new Willy Wonka was like really creepy. Yeah, and Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp always... played a real real weirdo. And then right. I I think that they just came out with a movie about like the origins of Willy Wonka, like how he came to be a chocolatier, and I think it's called Wonka. Hmm. I, or I don't know if it's released yet or if it's like going to be released, but it's like this year it, it it's supposed to come out. I saw the trailer for it on social media one day while I was caught in a doom scroll and it was just like, oh man, you know, these things, they tangle you up and I'm like, they're making a Wonka movie about like a so young Willy Wonka. That might actually be all right. I don't know. But you know, the whole Wonka thing, do you remember like it would always play like once a year. Like around, was it sure. around Christmas time or was it Thanksgiving? Probably both. In I mean, between, maybe. Yeah, 
I remember it was like a Sunday night on ABC or something like that. And they would always play it. Like you're always looking forward to it back in the day. Like you knew that was going to be coming on and then some other, like the specials, all the cartoons and stuff for the holidays. And I don't know. It's weird. Like now these kids have nothing really, if you think about it, like they don't have anything like, like that was exciting for us. Like to think, Oh, it's coming up like in another two weeks, it's going to be on TV. Like no, there's no anticipation. Yeah. It's like, uh, I mean, it's, we've, we've entered into this, this world of like instant gratification and so there's no waiting for anything you know if i can literally like like back when i was younger if there was a pair of sneakers that i really wanted i had to save up the money for them and i had to catch them like on on the release you know i had to get them on the release date nowadays and, and you had to get to a store and actually procure a pair of those shoes Nowadays, they pre-order them like three months in advance, and as soon as they come on sale, they're already sold out. Yeah, I know. It's just different, man. No fair. No fair. I, I got to say, though, I think it would have been really cool to have YouTube when we were kids. Like, that would have been amazing. Yeah, see? Chops. There you go. Chops. Yeah. Says yeah. it was released last week. It's officially a musical. <laughs> I love the sticker, though. Why yeah. not? It worked in Blazing Saddles. <laughs> listen yes chitty chitty bang bang i remember that oh my gosh chitty chitty would come yeah. on and the and the child stealer would scare me so much when I, yeah. the child stealer it was so <laughs> cool that that car could fly though it was like oh that's so cool yeah yeah i guess that would scare you at four years old the thought that there's someone out there with the identity of the child stealer yeah what about dang. planet of the apes did you like planet of the apes i thought it was a creepy movie man not the, the movie. The, I'm talking about when it used to... Well, I guess it was a movie, but it was on TV all the time. They did the specials back in the yeah, day. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd seen that a little bit, but I, I saw the movie and I was like, this is just kind of a weird movie. This is just strange. <laughs> so, I thought the one with Mark Wahlberg was really good. Yeah. I thought that was very... It was very believable and like I could definitely see that happening. In fact, we were just talking about this with... Um, Tom, Tom Althouse, he's the guy that wrote the script for the original script for Matrix, right? They stole it from him. It was called The Immortals. He was telling us that Elon Musk has been talking about, you know, eventually he says, you're going to start hearing about a talking monkey, that they're going to use that brain link thing, neural link. Sure. And that, you know, the monkeys are going to talk. Well, I remember like, this is probably like almost 10 years ago now, that Mark uh, Zuckerberg was already they were already doing experiments with monkeys and downloading things from their brain into Facebook. So that at some point you were going to be able to like download your thoughts and post something on Facebook or on Instagram. Like, dude, do you, I don't be, want, that yeah, would be no terrifying. One is tapping if my into my thoughts, brain. if my thoughts just started making posts, Oh man. Oh That's man. Scary. Talk about mess your image up. No one would watch. No one I would mean, ever there's, talk to you listen, it's a dangerous neighborhood between my ears, man, and I'm not even safe in there. You think I just want someone run, randomly running yeah. free in there? No way. You, you know, I heard some preacher say this one time. He said, he said, imagine Judgment Day would be like if you're not saved, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you go to Judgment Day, it's like your thoughts, every thought you've ever had is being played on all the screens in Times Square. For everybody yeah. to see and i was like oh my gosh scary that's stuff like horrifying yeah scary stuff no but i gotta imagine you're gonna you're gonna find a lot of common thoughts was <laughs> yeah. chitty chitty bang bang a disney movie i think it was wasn't it hmm. you know it's like uh 
Mary Poppins. Yeah, it was kind of like that. I'd never seen Mary Poppins, and yeah, until sucks. like I was much older, and my wife was like, "What do you mean you've never seen Mary Poppins?" And I was like, I'm not, "Why would I watch that? I was a boy. And like you know, like why would I? I, I yeah. saw some lady dancing around with an umbrella, and I was out, man. <laughs> Give me. Much, you know, there's like, a great. I played on one of our other shows on the random tandem. I played. There's this someone made a TikTok of her going up in her little umbrella thing and hitting the power cord, the um, wires. Sure. And she's like, it starts sparking and right. <laughs> fries your yeah. umbrella. And stuff. Yeah, it's good stuff. Um, yeah, I didn't like Mary Poppins. I saw it one time. I'm like, yeah, this this is ain't any good. Like, that's not a dude movie. Um, well, but there was one. Okay, we had Wizard of Oz. That was on all, all the time. At least what about the Wiz? Oh yeah, with Michael Jackson, yeah, and Diana Ross, yeah, and then there was like the there was like a creepy version of it too. It was like uh, what is it, Re- Return to Oz? Hmm. Um, I think is what it was called, and it was like it was a creepy version of The Wizard of Oz. I don't remember that one, but do you yeah. remember? Um, what was okay? So another one around the holidays would have been um. Oh, I just lost it. I had up there for a second. It was another one that you, it was like kind of like a you can't miss. You had to watch it every. Oh, Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street, right? Sure. Is, is yeah. that the one? And okay, so I never saw it until just two years ago. <laughs> That's the first time I ever saw it. Where you actually watched it? Yeah, and I was like, you know what? It ain't that bad. I was like, okay, for this ain't that bad. Movie. Yeah. What about the movie Scrooged? Yeah, that's good. I like Scrooged. I th- Bill Murray was great. Bill Murray had a ton of good movies. Yep. And, so, and, or, uh, and uh, Victoria mentioned Chevy Chase. He had a bunch too. Chevy Chevy Chase, yeah, for sure. Or um, Gremlins. Yeah. Gremlins was another one that's yeah. was like the Christmas. It was like a Christmas time yeah. movie. You know the. <laughs> it's arguably some some people arguably say that the the most time-honored christmas movie was uh die hard <laughs> i know which is weird isn't that weird like i wonder why because <laughs> it took place in in, in winter i, I don't yeah, know maybe. around don't christmas know. It's time so weird. but i that movie kind of sucked i didn't like die hard i thought it was yeah. stupid i like the asteroid one better when he saves the world what was that one on when he dies on the asteroid was it part of the same series no it wasn't die hard it was him and his actually um steven tyler's daughter was in it Liv tyler she was one of the main characters and he was like i think he was her dad or something in it is that armageddon armageddon yeah that's it yeah 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 for sure yeah that kind of sucked i mean that one was okay but i the diehards i just never got i just thought these are so stupid same thing with uh <clears throat> what's the one that now they're on like part 12 uh the rate racing the cars all the time and Fast and Furious, I think they're called. Oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah, for oh, sure. June, absolutely. <clears throat> the the you can't beat the Rankin Rankin Bass, uh, all their little specials they had for Christmas, like the Rudolph, and they did the they had the Rudolph, the New Year's Eve Rudolph one or whatever, Baby New Year, and yeah, we those were just were the watching. Best. Uh, we were just watching one of those the other day, um, and it was uh, what was it? It was um. 
what was it called like the year the year there was no santa or something like that yeah i saw and it had like uh it had the the heat miser and the snow (laughs) miser in it yeah we were just watching that the other the other day at my in-laws it came on right around thanksgiving um but they were watching that that and the island of misfit toys yeah yeah the stop animation those were the best man you know how long it must have took them to make those things a long time, man. A long That's time. Like an hour long show, right? And I when mean, I grow my beard out fully, I look like Yukon Cornelius. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got to lick your little pickaxe thing. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Exactly. I'm not a miner at all, but apparently, I fit the moniker. Those I guess if good, I just uh, yeah, I mean those were those were good. Those were good. There was a lot. Of, there was a lot of good stuff. These days, everything is just so perverted. <laughs> Did you ever see the Saturday Night Live version of <laughs> of Rudolph and the Snowman? I don't. I you know, don't think Burl, so. Burl Ives, the Snowman, Silver yeah. and Gold. That guy, like, yeah. They, they, they did like a skit. It looks so good too, man. It's like they did the stop animation and stuff, but it's like he he's like it starts off and you think it's kind of like the special or whatever, but then he goes into this diatribe about like this sucks <laughs> i hate snow or whatever and he's like oh my gosh it's you gotta watch it it's about 10 minutes long it's so funny roy d mercer how big a boy are you <laughs> <laughs> yeah yep for sure I, there was a there was a show i mean man i was probably that's probably was i graduated already when robot chicken came out um oh, i forgot about that yeah robot chicken came out and i'm pretty sure they did like a little parody of rudolph and it was like rudolph uh, he just like goes off the rails and he just kills all the other deer <laughs> <laughs> he, just, like, he goes he goes postal <laughs> he's just tired of getting picked on yeah you know not being included in the reindeer games so it becomes like a, a hunger games for <laughs> for, for all the the reindeer it's like okay some people got the some people have a very interesting imagination that's for sure that is pretty funny yeah yeah, yeah. all right well what do you say let's let's get into um so you know who bill nye the science guy is i do yeah okay absolutely yeah. he's he's not a friend of christians <laughs> doesn't think highly of us but well, uh this this is him and um ken ham you know the guy that does uh he was the one that did the arc in kentucky the arc yep. exhibit yeah and this is both which is of awesome they... by the way for anybody that's oh, listening so if cool. you haven't been it's amazing. check it out it's amazing yeah it's really cool uh so him him and ken ham got together and they had a debate a while ago but i this is a video i guess it was after and they're walking around and, and they're talking to this little girl so check this out Non-supernatural class. Okay. How did God create us? How did God create us? Well, you know what? Non-supernatural class. Okay. How did God create us? How did God create us? Well, you know what? As an infinite being, we don't know how he created. The Bible says he spoke and it happened. Because he. So these are room for future exhibits here. Yes. Infinite power, infinite knowledge, infinite wisdom, and he's able to speak everything into existence. How did he, he raise Jesus from the dead? How did, how did Jesus raise Lazarus? 
because he is all powerful, because he's the infinite creator God. So, yeah, it's good to be here. So, young woman, I would say to you that there's a process that humans have developed over millennia by which we know nature, and we call that science. And I hope the big thing in science is questioning things. So, are you are you telling it's this little are you telling this little girl that she is just an animal? The word "just" I disagree with. She's a wonderful, beautiful animal. Say again? Okay, so as you grow older, I encourage you to look at the world around you and make your own judgments. I may be wrong. You, know, you can decide for yourself. You know, the scripture says, from the mouth of babes and sucklings, she knows there's a God. You know too, Bill. Uh, so, I disagree with you, Mr. Ham. So, as you get older, just look at the world. I really encourage you to go to college sometime. Just make hey, that a I went goal. to college too. Did you know that? We have lots of scientists that went to college, and they believe in God, just like we do. They are far fewer than we do on my side. <laughs> the poor kid's caught in the middle of it. I know. I felt bad for him. <laughs> this, this little like, this little tit for tat cat fight. You know what's funny is one of the things that's really awesome um, about the Ark. My wife and I, you know, we went there and we checked it out. Is they do. They do honest comparisons between what is biblical truth and how science challenges it throughout the entire script, mm -hmm. throughout the entire arc. Yeah. Like, like one of the, I'm sure like it really, it really gets under my wife's skin when, um, you know, we like to watch nature shows and things like that. Watch about the animals and the way that, you know, birds do different things. And it's just interesting stuff, you know, really appreciating the, the glory and majesty of God, you know, the things that he's, that he's created and how they're so unique. And so we watch them and, you know, what really gets under my wife's skin is when they start saying, you know, like this forest is 3 million years old. And it's like, what? <laughs> and they say it like, it, see, I don't mind. It's not so much that I mind them saying it, but they speak it like it's a fact. Well, that's what I mean. And, okay, and, what's and they, your means and, of comparison to know right. that it's three million years old? Yeah, you I, know, I, I found it interesting when you were in the ark. Okay, so there's this one exhibit that's like about uh, it was about this. It was like a was it a ship? I think it was like a it was like a, a warship that had gotten like it got stuck out in the out in the ocean. And um, eventually it's like it, it it sank, I believe. I'm trying to think exactly what it was. I believe it was a boat and it sank and the ice froze over. And so their argument was that like this, uh, the earth is, you know, 250 million years old or whatever. And the reason being is because they cored through this ice and they found all these different layers yeah, of ice. Yeah. Um, you know, and so just to get down, just to get down to this boat, it was something crazy, like, you know, 70,000 layers or something. So, so they were, they were equating each layer to being a year mm -hmm. that had passed, but what they weren't, what they weren't mentioning is the fact that there is, um, thermal thaws that take place mm -hmm. sometimes two and three times every day. So when it thaws a little bit and then it, it it freezes again, it creates another layer. 
and then it just does that over and over and over and over again it doesn't happen and it's not no a year that took that layer to no, be created stupid. so it's that, just it's i think the know, one you're talking about they found a plane from like the 19 that's I think it was what it was it was a plane i couldn't remember yeah. exactly what it was yeah. and, and it was crashed cord down to it yeah it's so funny and, and removed it like mm -hmm. they they actually like extracted it and it's in like a museum or something now yeah. but it had been they frozen never... in like forever they never tell you all this stuff. And it, same thing with the no. rings in a, inside a tree trunk. Those That yeah, doesn't yeah. necessarily mean it's one year. Um, some trees grow faster than others, and they have different... Right. You know, it, and same thing with carbon dating. Radiocarbon dating is not proven. It does work up to a certain date, but the further you go back, the less... It's just not reliable. It's all over the place. Like They, they did an example. I think it was when Mount St. Helens blew. So they took rock from Mount St. Helens, lava... And then they took some other rocks and they submitted them to three different laboratories and they didn't tell them where they got it from. And so they get the rocks back and they're like, yeah, this one's a 7 million year, you know, whatever, I don't know, whatever these ridiculous numbers they came back with. They're like, uh, yeah, that's, that just came out of a volcano like 20 years ago. <laughs> like, that's what not, I mean. Like, it's so stupid, but it's, I don't know. I like, I don't know why they can't just be honest about it. Like, okay. But they want to push they'll their They'll die narrative. on that mountain, man. They they'll, will. They, they'll die on the hill. They need God to not exist. That's what they need. They need to have their they need to have control and be able to brainwash everybody, just like they did with the pandemic, right? They had to they had to tell everybody it's the science. It's the science. You don't question science. Well right. <laughs> of course you question science. If it's not repeatable, it's not science. Like you, that's how you do an experiment. That's how you prove if something is actually right or wrong. They haven't proven anything. I'm sick of hearing about you know, we've come from this animal, from monkeys. There's no missing link. There's nothing. There's no evidence proving that. And then they'll no, say, oh, we discussed it before. The missing link was a fabrication. Yeah. yeah it was a fabricated, a... it was a fabricated skull. It wasn't even real. <laughs> like it wasn't mm -hmm. even real. I told you about, I, I mentioned before when we were talking about this, about, uh, I think it was actually right after I, I got back from the ark. And they had this, uh, the a dinosaur that they were promoting it that was like the brontosaur. And it was like the greatest of all the giants. It was the greatest of all the dinosaurs. It wasn't even a real dinosaur. It was actually, a, it was bits and pieces taken from different dinosaurs that they just basically built this thing and called it the brontosaur and literally created a whole lore about it. But it wasn't even a real dinosaur. <laughs> like it was like the skull from one dinosaur, the neck bones from another, and they argued and refuted it. Like it was like, no, this is legit. And it's like, okay, fair enough, whatever. You can die on that hill, but my favorite ones are like all these science magazines where they have an artist rendering of something they just found, right? And it, I'll be darn mad if it doesn't happen to be around the time they need another grant from the government, <laughs> so they have to find something, right? And then they'll. They draw some picture of some, you know, supposed reptile that came out of, was a fish and turned into a reptile. It's like so stupid. Yeah. June said, I went to college, majored in science, taught eighth grade science and believe in God. It was precisely the seeking and questioning that led me back to him, Jesus, because he is the truth. Amen, sis. Amen. And Chops, right. there's a chunk of lump charcoal at Brock University in Canada that's a negative 12,000 years old carbon dating days say. So yeah, I, the whole carbon dating thing, I'm just sick of that. And, and how come they don't tell you when they have found some of these bones, they still have marrow in them and they're supposedly millions of years old. <laughs> like you, we know it's marrow doesn't stick around for millions of years. Like it's just, and then, oh, the well, Grand Canyon, think... 
The Grand Canyon is another one of my favorites, Matt. Yeah, that's another that one. one. Oh yeah, the layers and how they say it's. It's funny. That's another one they did experiments on several of these, where they took layers from supposedly where it's like you know hundreds of thousands of years old or whatever, and they have them checked in you know in the lab and for carbon dating and some of the other things and it comes back as like you know a few thousand years old or a couple thousand years or something and they're like yeah that's right. from the grand canyon and they're like oh well right. then we must there must be a mistake that wasn't from the bottom that was actually from the we took that from, from like top. halfway up <laughs> like so that's that wasn't from the bottom let's not get it confused here come on come on <laughs> i mean all, all all signs point to a creator all signs point to a creator and all you have to, all you have to have is eyes. Mm -hmm. You can't tell me that, that there was ever, there was ever order derived from complete chaos. You, you can't, you can't tell me that all of the sophisticated thought processes, all of the behavioral patterns, all the different species of life, everything working together to maintain our, our ecosystem this stuff all happened by accident. This stuff all just happened by accident. Like one day a fish crawled out of a mud puddle and then all of a sudden here we are. Um, it takes more for me to believe your thoughts than it does mine. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm just saying. Just think about, but, I don't know, think about something we would consider simple, like a mosquito. Like, do you understand the design that went into a mosquito? Like how it works and all the the blood vessels and the heart and the brain that's in a mosquito and and like in that little tiny thing that we smash on our arm when it's ready to poke us right i don't well, know you think about I'm anything that has design like that it's just amazing that was one little critter that would, i would have been fine if it didn't <laughs> board too. the arc me too <laughs> well it didn't you know. need to board board yeah i hear you know, i'd have been good with that i'd have been good with that yeah because it's, it's uh, so frustrating I'm so sick You're of little... the, the lies. Like, it, just tell the truth and let the kids decide which one they want to believe. I'm not saying force down our religion on them. No, force not down by God. any means. Let them make an intelligent decision. Let them decide, hmm, which one is really based on evidence? And and stop you throwing the word science around like it's it means everything's gospel or something. Like, it's ridiculous. Well, I mean, honestly, in, in, all, in all fairness, in that video, that's kind of what... That's kind of what Bill and I was saying is, you know, draw your own conclusions. You know, don't just uh, don't just believe because someone told you to, uh, you know, which is which I can I can agree with because, you know, so being submitted to the Lord and, and choosing to live a godly life is is a commitment in all aspects of your life. It's not just it's not just something that you verbally said. You well, know, it's something I, that you're, you're committed to. Bill Nye, let's okay. He did say that, but prior right. to that, he was saying he was basically saying this is the science, and then he said, sure. "Make sure you go to college, where of course they're going right. to teach you evolution. Like you're yeah, not going to get of the course. God equation in science." Well, so. that's the thing. I'm not. I'm I not mean, in, in agreement college. with 100 percent of what he said, yeah. but he did allude to the fact of you know, do your own research and, and make your own decision, which is great. You know what I mean? Like just pulling that snippet out of what he said, but. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think, you know, I I think anybody who is like, you know, like Joyful June said, anybody who's really truly a, you know, a believer 
and knows that undoubtedly has done some 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 seeking some soul seeking some searching you know what i mean because yeah you know it's it's because of the world that we live in you know it's it's so flesh motivated that you know it's easy to be swayed in one direction or the, another but to actually find a firm foundation to stand on you know it it takes a, it's a process it's a process you know yeah god's always waiting there for you he's always in the same spot you're just not always there true all right this is a pretty cool testimony let's check this out let's hear it was there ever a point in your life where you wondered where he was or why he allowed all that to happen to you as a kid and that's wrong is probably one of the most important questions you could ask me because it was such a pivotal point after i came to faith that day years later it was with a counselor who simply asked me this victor where was god where was the lord and you were getting abused and i said hey you should just shut up he goes well, why is that offensive i said look god always does what's right he goes but why wasn't he there for you? And I remember I had the same intensity and feeling of that movie, Goodwill Hunting, when Robin Williams is talking to the guy about his abuse. And he goes, it's not your fault. And I was like, don't mess with me. He goes, you know it wasn't your fault. And he kept saying, don't effing mess with me. What victims do, especially when you're younger, you build these messages in your mind that justify how and why. And, and it's false because it's never your fault. And it was then that I was challenged to just ask the Lord, where was he? What happened next was one of the most pivotal moments in my spiritual life. And when I asked him that, all of a sudden I was transported right back to my stepfather's room. And I could see it, Sean. I could see the room. I could see the carpet, bathroom, windows, closet, the bed. And then I see myself laying on the bed because my stepfather would make you get out of your pants and your underwear. He'd make you lay and stretch your arms out. Then he'd take his belt out, wrap it a couple of times, and then he would start to beat you. And I see all this and, and I can feel the anxiety. I'm seeing it. And all of a sudden, I literally see the Lord Jesus appear. He's right there next to my stepfather. Instantly, I start thinking, touch his heart, kill him, make him die. And then my next feeling was, oh my gosh, are you just going to watch him beat me? How impotent of a God is that? He stepped in between me and my stepfather and he faced me and then he kneeled down and he put his body over mine right before I got hit. And he took every beating far and with me. He took it far and with me. Was there ever a point in your... Yeah, that's pretty crazy, huh? Yeah, I would say so. Now the skeptic, let's let's play devil's advocate here. I get it. Like because I deal with this on our other shows, trafficking and, and abuse and all that stuff. The number one question an atheist or somebody on the other side is gonna say, Why didn't he just stop it? If he's such a loving God, why didn't he just stop it, Matt? He could stop it. He's all powerful, right? That's what they're gonna say mockingly. Um yeah. and but then and this is the this is always the hardest debate and argument to have with someone that doesn't believe because they're never going to understand the free will part of this where God does allow mankind to do evil. He allows it to go to a certain extent because it can bring greater good out of a situation that seems horrendous. I mean, like you think of World War II. Terrible atrocities happened during World War II, obviously. But a lot of good things ended up coming from World War II. And who knows the ripple effect, that butterfly effect down the road of what, 
how many people actually got saved because of the horrendous things that were happening that otherwise would have just went to eternal hell forever. We don't know because we don't see the end from the beginning. Trust me, I have this argument with God a lot. I'll say, Lord, you could end this nightmare that's going on with these kids right now in CPS, in foster care. You could end this. I know you could. You could end Megan Walsh's case today. And, and I kind of argue with him about this, right? But then I remember at the end of the day, I'm not God. I don't see the end from the beginning. He does. And this guy had an opportunity where he asked the Lord, well, why didn't you protect me? And then he saw he had this vision of him actually bending over and taking the stripes with him, you know, or for him. And he said, but it, essentially he was still getting beaten, but the Lord was there with him, even though he didn't know it. And I don't understand that. How do you explain that? <clears throat> God is just, his ways are not our ways. And it, it doesn't seem fair. I'm not going to lie, but he's God and we're not. And, and an atheist say, ah, oh, that's just stupid then. You're following this false God that doesn't protect you? No, I'm following a God that died on a cross for me and rose again. Yeah, a God that will, will join you in your suffering. Yeah, I mean, that's, a, that's always that, that's that age-old question. <laughs> you know, why does this exist? Why does this yeah. exist? The question of evil, the problem that's of evil, the whatever truth. you want to call it. Yeah. Yeah. That's the truth of it. I don't, I like, and I don't, I don't care when people ask that question. I think it's a genuine question. It needs to be asked, but I don't think you'll ever be able to explain it fully and they'll never understand it fully. But when you do come to the Lord and you're born again, you do start having a spiritual understanding that there is evil in this world. And sometimes evil looks like it triumphs, but in the end, it doesn't triumph. It will always, the truth will always find it out and justice will always come. It might not come in this life, unfortunately. Sometimes it comes; it's going to come at Judgment Day for everybody. But um, that's that is the hardest thing I got to say as a Christian. Twenty years being born again, spirit filled—that's the one thing it does. After time, you start asking that question. But I don't think that's you know I haven't lost my faith. Absolutely not. And if anything, my faith has like gone through the roof. Going See, through trials. And this is the thing. This is a, my answer to that question is always the fact that I went through so many versions of, you know, of hell when I was growing up. I really did. You know, I faced, I faced all facets of abuse. I mean, you name it, mental, physical, emotional, even sexual abuse. And, uh, that, you know, that's, that's the facts. That's the truth. And I know that it was the, it was the individuals involved in this that wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't God that was motivating or allowing things to happen. It was people perverting their free will. And I also know that there's nothing that you could ever do to me at this point that would make me believe that there isn't the existence of God because I've seen the evidence of it in my own life. I've seen it in my own life. You know, I've seen like manifestations of things in my life that could only be attributed to a grander power. The, the way that I can carry myself, the way that I can be joy, joyful and the way that I can walk without anxiety or feel 
you know, an issue of worthiness and all these things that are usually attributed to experiences like that is all because of God. Because I, I very, very quite simply, if I lived within the world, there's no telling where I would be. There's no telling where I would be. And it's because God is, he's, he has protected me and preserved me through so many things. Because realistically, there was many times over when I was coming up that I shouldn't have survived. But I did. That was, that in my mind is his grace. That in my mind is, is, is his mercy and his protection over me. Because I survived it. I came through and who knew what for i didn't i didn't know why i why was i making it through these things and i realize now it's because it's for a time such as this it's for a time where i can, i can use these things to help those that are going through the very same things i can use these things to explain the love of god because he was my only comforter when I was a kid in the middle of all of these things going on, he was my only comforter. And so it's, 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 you know, it's one of those situations where everybody wants a finite answer. Why do people get cancer? You know, why this, why that, why this, why that? I just believe, I believe that you're honestly taking those opportunities to try and re reinforce your unwillingness to come to a true belief your unwillingness to come to a, an accountability, your unwillingness to, to give up your fleshly desires, your unwillingness to actually, you know, have to have some level of accountability in your life. And so you're, you're looking for anything and everything that you can use to blame to reinforce your thought process. I mean, because that's, that's the truth. That's what we, that's what we typically do. You know, that's the flesh side of things. What do we do? We find something to blame. <laughs> you know uh and like like you said in the video a lot of times you know and you know this with the the child trafficking and all this other stuff a lot of times the children blame themselves they make it their own fault and the reason being is a lot of times it's because the abuser is reinforcing that thought process and so yeah i just think i know that the evidence of god in my life is so real and has been for such a long time that even though I endured so many things, it's in a way it shaped me into who I am today because I have such a heart for people. <laughs> like I, I have such a heart for the for the suffering and for the you know the uh, the underdog, the underprivileged, the people that have gone through things. You know, it's it's really molded me into who I am, and part of it is my testimony. I went through some bad things because bad people do bad things. That doesn't make that that doesn't make it God's fault. I mean, I've thought, I mean, I'm sure you've probably had that thought before. Like, man, if I could just snap a finger and just have him just drop that person right now, that'd be amazing. <laughs> like, call down yeah. the sky wizard and just hit the off uh -huh. button. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, but his thoughts are not our thoughts. You know, it his 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 plans are higher than our own. And so it's just, you know, it's and, relying and on him other, to trust you. Matt, and the other thing is we're all inherently evil. All of us. Jesus laid it out beautifully when he said, if you've hated somebody, you've murdered them. 
That's yeah. the standard of God. And everybody's like, well, who can live up to that standard? You're right. Who can? <clears throat> Only him. Thank God he did it for us. And so that shows us that we all have that inside of us because sure. he is the root of killing. Right? I mean, that's that's where it starts. There's a hatred and then it just festers and then it becomes you know maniacal and you start thinking about stuff and planning, plotting and all that stuff. So it's it's this thing, if we all understand we're all evil then we that gives us more compassion for those that haven't found the truth yet i mean it should anyway that's why he says pray for your enemies but uh, it is difficult i'm not gonna say like walking this christian life is hard man like there's lots of things you question you're just like man i don't get it lord like why does that guy you know why is that guy who's doing all kinds of bad things prospering he's in good health He's got the pretty wife or the pretty girlfriend, right? And you're, you're always questioning the other guy or the other person and comparing yourself to others when you don't know what's going on in that person's life and how bad he's got it inside. And maybe he doesn't, maybe he thinks he's got it good on the inside and outside, but he's heading down a dead end road. We all know that because this life is fleeting, man. It's short. What does it say in James? It's like a vapor. Yeah. So it's... We, we need, like, that perspective, too, when we think about this stuff. Okay, so here's Kent Hovind. I like this. This is a kind of a cool thing. He goes over some... Oh, Joyful that... June, thank you for festive, making making the, yes. the thread <laughs> festive. I appreciate you. Can, can you hang some lights around the chat for us? It would look really... <laughs> I'm surprised the boys here, the mats haven't thought of that yet. Like, just, like, holiday decorations to put around the chat. Hmm. Maybe we need to come up with that. All right. Let's check this out. This is good eyeball is one square inch called the retina. It contains 137 million light-sensitive cells all wired to the brain. I cannot imagine hooking up 137 million connections in one square inch. The eyeball is so complex you can walk into a room and look around the room and in one second your eye picks up enough information to keep the Cray computer busy for a hundred years analyzing everything you picked up. Fastest computer in the world. The average person has 50 trillion cells in their body. The DNA from all, if your entire body's DNA would only fill two tablespoons. But if you tied them all together, it would reach from Earth to the moon and back. Five million round trips out of two tablespoons. If you typed out the code found in your DNA, when you got done typing that incredibly complex code, you'd have enough books to fill Grand Canyon 40 times. Do you think that happened by chance? Well, the probability of just one DNA coming by chance is 1 in 10 to the 119,000th power, which is a big number, when you consider the entire visible universe is 10 to the 28th inches in diameter. And they look at the human body today and think, we are poor design. I say, first of all, fellas, you need to stop and consider something. What you're looking at right here is a copy off of a copy, 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 off of a copy of Adam. This same gene code's been copied so many times, it's amazing we can stand here and talk about it, okay? <laughs> You're not looking at the original by a long shot, okay? This one is, is a poor example of the original. <laughs> the back of your eyeball is one square inch. So, the, the eyeball thing has always fascinated me. Think about how incredible that is. Like, we can, you, Matt, today, let me ask you this. It's a rhetorical it. question. So it's not like a pop quiz. How many times today did you tell your eye to make sure it could see and focus and know the proper, you know, distance so you don't bump into something 
or tell it to look at, you know, figure out the colors. Like we don't even, we don't have to think about it. Like my eyes aren't the best. I've made that perfectly clear in here right now. <laughs> well, you um, see, I've got four of them. Yeah, but they still work. Like I still yeah. haven't had to tell them to do anything. They, they provide enough tears during the day to keep them from being dry and they're moist. And then they focus pretty good other than things that are close right now. But like, that's an incredible <laughs> piece of biological machinery inside of us that you definitely when you go when someone goes blind that had sight before yeah you took it for granted until you went blind but yeah. how does that how does that evolve how does an eyeball just an eyeball evolve over you know supposedly millions of years i don't know <laughs> with no with no intelligent force behind it no design it just randomly comes together in this universe of ours out of some puddle of mud and lightning struck it and some, you know, amoeba comes crawling out of the pond and turns into <laughs> all the things we have to do. Like, it's just right. stupid. <clears throat> it it can gather life sense. and decipher cover, color, can, can gauge distance, can see movement. It can adjust even to things like using, like, when I, when I go hunting, adjusting to optics and... It's like, it's amazing. I mean, it is amazing. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that the, your eyeball is is the only. I think it's the only organ of your body that never changes size from birth. Hmm. Your eyeballs are always the same size. Your just openings get bigger. If I, I, I read that, I'm pretty sure. I don't know. Maybe they'll maybe they'll fact check me in the in the in the chat here. Yeah. But I'm, I'm pretty sure, sure I read that before that they never change shape. Like they're always the same size, even from when you're born. So, I mean, they're a pretty miraculous thing. I mean, we my uh, my brother-in-law. He has a he has a neighbor that lost his sight. And uh, this was a guy who was like an avid hunter, outdoorsman. You know, he was in the military, the whole deal. I think, I think even even a for a while there, I think he was even a sniper, if I remember correctly. I've heard stories, you know, sitting out there in the blind or whatever about about his neighbor Brian. And uh, you know, I've said the very same thing. You know, I would honestly rather to just not be born with it than to know what the world likes looks like and then all of a sudden not be able to see it you know and that's kind of how it happened for him like it's just he woke up and it was just his sight was just gone yeah you know so now he's he's legally blind that and was so really bad he, he he lets us hunt his land um you know because it's like connecting to my brother-in-law's land and he's got a bunch of blinds and everything back there but this is the amazing thing. This really actually surprised me because we were going out for a hunt a couple of, probably about probably about a week and a half ago, we were heading out for an evening hunt. Now, you could see his house from where we were, but we were way out in the middle of a field. Riding the, my brother-in-law was riding along with the four-wheeler that was just carrying all the gear and I was walking alongside him. We got all the way out to the blind and his phone the text went off and he basically told he told my brother-in-law to tell me good luck and i was like how did he know that i'm even with you and he said because he heard your voice 
You heard my wow. voice walking next to a four-wheeler over a football field away from your house in the middle of a farmer's field, and you're in your house, and you heard my yeah, voice? Crazy. He told me, he, I, I mean, I was like, wow. <laughs> that it is, is weird. Yeah, when you lose one sense, the others are enhanced. And I don't, yeah, I mean, that's pretty cool. The body can do that. Victoria said, You're that right. Amazing. You're right on the eyeball thing. Yeah, see, I thought I, I thought I remembered reading it back in, uh, it was like biology class in like high school that it was like your eyeballs are always the same size. I mean, it's hard to imagine, you know, because how small yeah, babies are when they're born. That is weird. But you have the same size eyeball like the whole time. So it was perfect as soon as you were born. <laughs> like it didn't need to fix it. <laughs> it didn't need to grow with you. It was installed that, right there. <laughs> that is crazy, isn't it? But the yeah. DNA thing always gets me. That is so incredible. When you think about it, it fits in a, what did you say? A tablespoon or teaspoon or whatever, if you could put it yeah. all in there. But yet when you unroll it, it's to the moon and back. How many times? 500 <laughs> times or something like, like how a do lot you... of times. Only God could make something so microscopic, but yet so big at the same time. Like it doesn't. That holds so much information. And all the information it holds. Like it's <clears throat> just incredible. Now at that time, you know, he's saying it was more power, like the most powerful computer at the time, which was the Cray computer. And that, and that goes back in the 80s or something. Like now I'm sure the computing power, of course, with quantum computers and stuff like that is much faster, but nothing's ever going to touch it. It's it can't, it won't come close. You you can't God, possibly find a storage system to store no. that much information. No. But yet we found it in a mud puddle. Sure. <laughs> with lightning, though. There was lightning. <laughs> light so the electricity it, it, it charged up with, it. With lightning. So like we had like a, a back to the future moment where <laughs> right. you know, it's just lightning, lightning lightning hit the clock tower, it, it spread down to a mud puddle. And we crawled out. <laughs> Fair enough. Like I said, the, tr the 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 truth, man. I'm telling you what, it can't you, you can't look around. I just I I always kind of like one of the things I love about hunting isn't only just hunting. I like to just sit and be still. I like to just be quiet. You know, I mean, it's you actually have to turn everything off. You know, you have to be a you have to be paying attention. You know, so you can't be sitting there playing on your phone. You're not hearing all the cars driving around. You're just hearing nature and you're taking it and you're appreciating it. And I've sat there and I've thought about the glory of God. Like everything is fundamentally necessary in order for us to live. I mean, <laughs> the trees, the water, everything is fundamentally necessary. And people say that it happened by accident. No, except carbon, Matt. We got to get rid of carbon. <laughs> It was a grander design, man. Yeah, we got to get rid of that carbon for sure. We got to get rid of that that carbon so we stop melting the ozone or whatever. So stupid. And we stop melting the ice caps. But the thing is, I, I did see a video. I, I, maybe maybe I can I can find it and tell you what it was called. But this guy, it was this guy debating with uh, this. It was a younger girl. She was basically arguing with him about the uh, the fuel emissions and how it's hazardous to our atmosphere and she he pointed out the belt that she was wearing and he's like is that a leather belt and she's like no this is bioengineered leather right. and he's like so that was leather created in a laboratory and she's like 
yes, it's completely vegan leather. And he's like, okay, so you know that they were tested and the emissions that are, are produced from those bioengineering plants cause more, cause more harm making that belt than I could do in 2000 miles of driving my car. How many of those belts were made? <laughs> she, she didn't say anything after that. Of course not. <laughs> it, was, it was at that point she realized that she'd messed up. <laughs> so she just Liberal sat down and was like, logic. no more questions. Yeah, no more questions. Have you ever seen this guy? That These videos are hilarious. I can watch this guy all day long. Here, let me... Oops, sorry. about a death wish <laughs> but yeah, normally he has construction videos and he's wearing like a hard hat and he's like watching the construction sites oh my gosh there's some of the best videos ever on just watching all the there. things like, that people shouldn't be doing just stupid stuff that guys do on job sites and stuff but um at the real adam rose yeah i like that guy yeah and that was the, that die. was the video I, th I thought that was gonna be a better video but anyway yeah the other ones with the construction sites are hilarious you see, Don't so many, it, his reactions are just priceless too. The way he looks at, it, he's like, <laughs> then he makes dies. So. Oh my gosh, it's so good. I know I've witnessed a lot right. on construction sites. Like, what? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> like, what are you doing over there? And why are you doing it? <laughs> he has like... so many. I don't know where he finds all these videos, but they're so good. All right, yeah. so this let's play this one. This one's Oh, Kenny okay, Noplin so, really out. Oh, hold on, hold on. Don't say anything yet. Don't give it away. All right, so our old friend, Kenneth Copeland. Oh, yeah. KC. Oh, Kenny Noplin really out-noped himself with this one. So here he is with this other dude. I don't know who the other dude is. Who cares? And what they're doing is mixing their blood and grape juice and drinking it as communion. Jesus said, take this cup. This is my blood. Except they don't actually do that. It's, it's very clear that they don't really cut their hands. They're pretending for some dumb reason they've come up with to put on this show. Which is his and which is mine. Now, at the communion table. Yes, sir. He said, this is my blood of the new covenant all of you drink all of it so their blood isn't actually in this grape juice some would argue that grape juice makes communion invalid either way but this isn't communion this isn't a biblical observance of the lord's supper the whole body isn't taking of communion together it's just kenneth up there being weird but he wants you to do it like this or at least to think about it like this now, and I want you to be this way every time you take communion, and you ought to take it a lot. This is not the Lord's Supper. This is a demonic mockery. Jesus did not mix his own blood with the wine he and his disciples drank on the eve of his crucifixion at the institution of the Lord's Supper. Matthew 26, verse 27 and 28. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. 
Does Kenneth Copeland believe that the grape juice becomes the actual blood of Jesus? Does he think that we should drink it as though our own blood were mixed in it? Does he think that some supernatural power is obtained through taking the Lord's Supper like this? I don't know what this crazy man believes, but we do know that Jesus meant the cup to represent his blood only, since only his blood could accomplish atonement for his church and secure forgiveness of sins. The 1689 Second London Baptist Confession of Faith provides a clear understanding of the nature and purposes of the Lord's Supper, that it is to be observed in his churches unto the end of the world, for the perpetual remembrance and showing to all the world the sacrifice of himself in his death confirmation of the faith of believers in all the benefits thereof, their spiritual nourishment and growth in him, their further engagement in and to all duties which they owe to him, and to be a bond and pledge of their communion with him and with each other. The Lord's Supper is a beautiful means of grace to God's church, and Kenneth Copeland has no shame nor fear. Now his blood mm. is in my body. Yes, sir. It's in there. His blood is mixed with my blood. Can you see it? Nope. Mm -mm. <laughs> oh my gosh, what a weird <laughs> so weird. Kenny he Nopeland him, yeah, needs Jesus. He calls him Kenneth Nopeland. <laughs> but how many weird things have we seen with that guy? Like, I've seen, like I've weekly. actually seen him, I've seen him, uh, I, I guess you could say live, <laughs> like we, we went and actually saw oh, him man. and I was like, I don't know. <laughs> like that, I, I, I don't, I don't know. You know, I he mean, is it's creepy. just, there is something, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it it does say it does say in the word to to touch not my anointed, but the thing is, th he's always kind of set off some some sort of a, like alarms for me. Um, I don't I don't know about the whole conversation that he just had about their blood being mixed together, and now you're like grape juice blood brothers i <laughs> like, don't i don't get it i, I don't, don't honestly i don't understand it at all uh, but he he's also said we're little gods he's made that statement several times that we've been uh, we're divine right that's new age crap and yeah mm. he's mixing it in with supposed christianity yeah i don't know yeah Weird that stuff. was an interesting video <laughs> that's yeah. all I can, yeah. that's all i can say that's there ain't, there ain't a whole lot i can really say about <laughs> it that was an interesting He's a it's, he's a he's an interesting character that that guy for sure. Sorry, I'm trying to do something here. Um, okay, so I'm gonna play this video is like eight minutes long, but I think it's worth it because I I I really like N.T. Wright. I think this guy is very knowledgeable. Now I know some a lot of Christians would disagree with his theology, but I got to tell you, he's just reading the Bible, <laughs> like he's not making stuff up. And I've got to say, like. I don't want to tell people what to believe. Like, obviously, you have to listen to what he says, and then you can make your own decisions. He's talking about the rapture here. And I got to tell you, it makes a whole bunch of sense. And we've had a church since 1850-ish that 
thinks they don't do anything. They sit on their hands and wait for Jesus to come back for a pre-trib rapture. And I got to tell you, if you're waiting for that, keep waiting. You you might be waiting a long time. And, <laughs> and, and it seems and the like Lord's you already not, have been waiting. The, the Lord time. is not going to be pleased with that person because yeah. uh, you need to you need to be doing something. So I think He lays it out really good here. Let me fast forward a little bit to get out of this stuff here. Hang on. Okay. All right. So this is about eight minutes long, but I think it's well worth it. has actually turned the idea of Jesus' second coming into its opposite. In the New Testament, the second coming is not Jesus coming back to scoop up some people and take them off to heaven with him. In the second New Testament, Jesus is coming back to coming back to scoop up some people and take them off to heaven with him. In the second coming passages in the New Testament, Jesus is coming back to rule and reign and transform the world and make it over anew. And that is actually part of the whole New Testament package of new, te new heavens and new earth. Put it another way. There's a couple of verses in the New Testament which instead of talking about Jesus coming, talk about Jesus appearing. This is in Colossians 3 and 1 John 3, if anyone is wanting the references. What does it mean appearing rather than coming? And here we have a problem because of our implicit cosmology. We have an implicit cosmology in which heaven is a long, long way away, probably up in the sky somewhere. What that says about Australia and New Zealand, I'm not sure, but we think of heaven as a long way up in the sky. And then we think of Earth as, as all the way down here. So we think of Jesus as coming like a spaceman, having to make a long trip from somewhere else. And, and I've had letters from them. There are a lot of people who take that as completely literal language, as though heaven is a space within our cosmos. That is not how the Bible uses the word heaven. The word heaven has a multiplicity of meanings, but in this sense, heaven is God's space, and God's space is supposed to be eventually integrated with our space, call it earth, if you like. And the point is that at the moment, it is as though there is a great curtain hanging down through the middle of ordinary reality so that at any point in any place God is not far away Jesus is not far away it's just that they're currently invisible but one day the curtain will be pulled back and it won't be like coming it'll be like appearing you imagine the gasp as if somebody were to yank a great curtain back there and we suddenly realized all sorts of things going on behind that curtain that were actually integrated with our reality and we didn't realize it. That's as good a picture as the idea of him coming. Now, part of the difficulty here is that some of the passages in the Gospels which have traditionally been taken as predictions of Jesus coming back after a long period are not, in fact, they are predictions of the fall of Jerusalem. In Mark 13, for instance, in the parallel passages, it doesn't begin with the disciples saying, when are you coming back? It begins with Jesus saying, all this stuff's gonna come crashing down, and the disciples saying, when will that be? The difficulty is, this is a real difficulty, especially at eight o'clock at night when my body clock is telling me it's one o'clock in the morning, excuse me, um, that the language which they used to describe events like that was what some people have sometimes called apocalyptic language. That is to say, things like the sun will be turned into darkness and the moon will be turned into blood and the stars will be falling from heaven. Now, 
generations of Christians have thought that Jesus was predicting the end of the space-time universe. However, when you trace that language back into the Old Testament, and that bit about the sun and the moon and the stars comes from Isaiah 13, it isn't talking about the collapse of the space-time universe, it's talking about the fall of Babylon, which was the greatest empire of the day when that was written, or around the time that was written. Because when this huge empire, which has dominated the horizon, suddenly falls with a crash, what language are you going to use? What poetry can you use to signal that? And when it's Jerusalem, and if you're a Jew who believed that that was the city where God had promised eventually to come and live forever, if that falls with a crash and the temple is burned to the ground, you're going to talk about the sun and the moon and the stars. I mean, even in our political discourse, we talk about landslides and earthquakes, and we all know that that's a metaphor. Well, they all knew that this language was a metaphor. My colleague John Barton in Oxford, I remember saying in a lecture once that we ought to know as a matter of literary genre that if an ancient Jewish text says the sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood and the stars will fall from heaven, we ought to know that the next line is not going to be the rest of the country will have scattered showers and sunny intervals. You know, this is, this is, not, this is not a primitive weather forecast. Um, and a very telling, the prophet Jeremiah had prophesied that Jerusalem would fall and he said that that would be like the whole of creation going back to tohu abohu, which in Genesis means without form and void, to a primeval chaos. Now, for a long time, Jeremiah lived with the possibility that he might be a false prophet because Jerusalem had not fallen. But when Jerusalem did fall, nobody was going to accuse him of being a false prophet because the earth had not gone back to chaos. That was what that language had meant. So we have to be very careful, and I appreciate this is technical stuff to take on board at this time of night, but so that a lot of the prophecies are not about, in fact, the collapse of the, uh, of the universe, that they're actually about the fall of Jerusalem. One other thing, Jesus told stories, many stories, Jesus told stories, two in particular, one in Matthew, one in Luke, about somebody going away on a journey giving his servants money to trade with and do business with, and then coming back to see how they were getting on. Many Christians have read those stories as though this is about the second coming at the end of the Christian history when the church will be judged according to whether it's done what Jesus wanted it to do in the meantime. It's actually very clear, particularly in Luke's version of that story, in Luke 19, that's not what's going on at all. And here's something which most modern Christians have not even begun to get their heads around. Jews in Jesus' day lived in hope, and the center of the hope was that the God who had abandoned them at the time of the exile 450 years earlier or so would eventually come back in all his shining glory to live in the temple at last. There is no scene in the whole second temple period which says he's come back at last. Jesus is telling stories about the God who left his people things to do but would come back. And he's telling those stories because Jesus himself in coming to Jerusalem is embodying the return of Israel's God to Zion. This is a whole huge theme which I think most people as they read the Gospels or Paul have not even begun to imagine 
but it looms very large in the Jewish writings of the period and somehow we have to factor it in. So yes, the second coming is important, but the thing which was going to happen within a generation was the fall of Jerusalem. And we don't find in the second century or the third century people saying, oh dear, it hasn't happened yet. They still say, no, it might happen at any time. They are, they are not stuck on the this generation thing. I mean, let, let me say one more thing about this because it is a huge thing which has dominated the horizon. This particularly became a matter of problematic interest in the middle of the 20th century in German scholarship for all sorts of reasons. One of which was that many German philosophers and cultural critics, people like Walter Benjamin, whose work you will know, in the middle of the 20th century, and the first half of the 20th century, had lived on the Marxist hope that history was actually going somewhere, getting on the right side of history. And when that turned out to be a false hope, and for Walter Benjamin it was when you had the Molotov-Ridentrop pact, the Hitler-Stalin pact, towards the beginning of the war, they panicked and they said, we have nothing more to hope for from history. All that can happen now is a totally new event, a new messianic moment, that's what we need. And it didn't happen. A great deal of European culture in the middle of the 20th century was horrified at the failure of hope. Interestingly, at exactly that time, a lot of the theologians in Europe started writing particularly about the failure of hope in the early church. And it seems to me that there's a lot of projection going on there which has yet to be unpicked. N.T. Wright. I like that guy, man. He's a little brainy, so you gotta... Sometimes you gotta watch things two or three times to catch it, but he's got a lot of great stuff that kind of goes against what the modern-day church is teaching. And especially with the Jewish state and Israel and, and the church and how the church has become part, you know, we're grafted in. I just think you have to, you have to have an open mind and stop just believing what pastors have told us for the last, you know, 30, 40 years about the rapture and about Israel and all this stuff. Because when you really read the scripture back, like he says, and you read it, in context and understand, we talked about this last week, Matt, in context, yeah, yeah. context and knowing the culture and understanding the language and the metaphors they used, things change quite a bit. It definitely, it, it definitely paints a different understanding. That's for sure. Um, yeah, I'm good with him being brainy, man. He must be a, he must be a scientist that believes. <laughs> he's a theologian he's amazing um victoria have a great night have a have a very yes. merry christmas uh, have thanks a for good stopping by. good good night is that was zozo dude in that picture yeah i think so cool i don't have my glasses on so so zozo yeah man I, I i've listened to him lately i've been listening to him a lot just a lot of his conferences and stuff and it's just very interesting i don't want to even say it's his take on it he's just taking the scripture and reading it and laying it out and saying, look, this is what they were talking about because we know this because you can go to another scripture and it tells you what we were talking about. And But somehow at some point, Christians took it a different way and made it into something it was never meant to be. Like that's a good point with the, with this, the moon turning blood red and all that, like those metaphoric, like apocalyptic images we've all had, right? We've all assumed, yeah, on that day, the sun, the sun will go, you know, blood or the moon will turn blood red and the sun will be darkened and all these things. And that very well could happen. I'm not saying it couldn't, 
but that's not what the passage is talking about. They were, that was metaphorical language for them. Just like, you know, we would say it's raining cats and dogs or something like it doesn't really rain cats and dogs. But if I went back, you know, I don't know, 700 years and use that language, they'd look at me and throw me in an asylum. Say, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, cats like and language dogs changes. don't rain. Yeah. <laughs> language yeah. changes over time. And if you don't yeah. understand the ancient Hebrew language and Aramaic and Greek, and I don't know all of it. I'm just saying I'm learning. I try to learn. I try to understand that they had metaphors too. Colloquialisms, all that stuff. Yeah, colloquialisms. Oh, yeah. Metaphorically speaking. <laughs> Big words. Big words. Yeah. Big words. That's why I always try to... I always try to compare like what I'm, what I'm hearing or what I'm being, you know, you know, what, what I'm hearing in a message, what I'm hearing in a sermon, even what I'm saying is where is it in the Bible? Where is it? <laughs> and, know, and, is... and when you know where it is in the Bible, then it's testing it saying, wait a minute, is it what I think it says? Or is right. it, do I, am I going to look at it from the full perspective and say, okay, is this what it's, what it's really saying? Not what I think it says or what someone taught me. That's the truth. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Like even a, okay, even a brain, your even a brain like, <clears throat> yeah, even a brain like N.T. Wright doesn't mean I'm just going to take everything N.T. <clears throat> Wright says because he's he's the smart guy and he knows everything. No, I have to take everything with other teachers I've learned from my own studies, um, you know, things like that and, and blending it together and then saying, OK, what what actually lines up scripturally line upon line, precept upon precept. And I got to tell you, every time that guy teaches and I hear him say, saying something I'm like that makes way more sense than anything I've been taught over the last 20 years of my walk with Christ. Like I just start, you start realizing, yeah, that's, of course that makes sense. That's so logical what he's, what he's saying. And you know, that one was a little drawn out or whatever. There's better teachings with him. And, and he actually has a debate with this Jewish guy about Israel and stuff. And it's really good. And it's nothing, I'm not, I'm not disparaging Israel. You know, I, Israel's a nation. Of course it's a nation, but is Israel what we always what we've been taught in the church that it is. We're part of Israel. We, The church was grafted in. We're, we're living Israel. The body of Christ is now part of Israel. And there is a land of Israel, of course. And we know that those borders will be expanded at some time, just from scripture. But is it the Israel from 1948 or 47, whenever it became a nation that the UN formed, that God's talking about, that the last generation, that the... the the Jews would come back to their land. I don't think so. I used to. The more I look at it now, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This does not line up with scripture. So yeah. these are things, and this is what I'm saying. Like, man, I'm not telling people believe what I'm saying or whatever. I'm just saying like, you got to start questioning stuff and saying, wait a minute, is that really what God said? Or is that what we've equated it to be? Because I got to tell you, the people that formed Israel, Matt, they, <laughs> it's the Rothschilds. Okay. They're Satanists. So is that who God used to, to form his, his land? I don't, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, I wouldn't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, God can use anybody to do whatever he wants. I'm not saying he couldn't. I'm just saying you have to really go back and say, well, some of these prophecies that all these, you know, let's face it. There's tons of guys on TV that said, oh, it's the end is near. The rapture is coming. And they've been saying it for years and years. And they've, they've made all these prophetic utterances and nothing ever comes to pass and it's like okay maybe they're just wrong 
Maybe I need to question what they're teaching because it ain't the Bible. But these people are twisting scripture and using it to fit into their narrative to sell a book or make a movie. And maybe some of them actually believed it. I don't know. But I can tell you, it's made the church stale and stagnant. It's definitely caused, it caused uh, a lot of division, a lot of separation. <clears throat> you know, that's where you have churches splintering because of uh, a lack of under, a lack of understanding. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's really common. It's really common. You know, we, we, we spent so much time in the city of Detroit <clears throat> going around to different churches. And uh, I found it amazing that you could tell that at one point, Detroit was, it was a city that was really, I guess you could say that was really full of, of belief. It was, it was a very, it was very morally strong. There was churches everywhere, everywhere. They're in the neighborhoods. They're everywhere. You can go down one road and you can pass 20 churches, most of which are abandoned now. You know, you can see the remnant of what it was, a more unified city. And obviously there was all sorts of things that attributed to that, you know, the riots and, and all the things that took place. Um, but it's astounding to me how many churches there are literally still standing that still have the signage. They're just no longer active churches. And then there, there are churches that are active one across the street from each other and they're not allies. <laughs> it's like, what, what, it makes no what sense. do you mean? What do you like this? Uh, this really doesn't make sense, you know, because I've asked that, you know, I've asked that question and it's like, no, no, we don't, we don't, we don't mess with those people over there. What do you mean you don't mess with those people over there? Like, so if you don't mess with the people that are over there, then what are you teaching over here? And if the people over there don't mess with the people over here, then what are they teaching over there? <laughs> this is like, wait a second, what's going on? You know, <clears throat> it's just uh, that's yeah, actually a, a great that that's such a great point because I I think there I mean how many ch let's face it like in our area there's a church every like you know mile basically where they I'm, used like, to have them around. in neighborhoods like everywhere you yeah. just find them tucked mm -hmm. away in neighborhoods yeah you know not all of them are like in you know on like main roads or anything they'll be back in a neighborhood there's a church in there and man they were just they were everywhere and just to see how yeah. many are empty is unreal yeah it's I don't know it's it's frustrating because it's like if the church ever does wake up, it's very powerful. Oh, yeah. It has a huge voice. And, and we could do a lot of good things. But it's just they're so divided and they split over the dumbest things and they can't even get it right in their own congregations. And it's all it's just misaligned. Everything's screwed up. The devil's got in the back door and he stayed and corrupted a whole bunch of people. And there's, I mean, you have pastors. It's 50% of pastors are watching porn. I think it's like 50% of pastors don't even believe Jesus is the only way. And yet they're a, a so-called Christian pastor pastor. Like it doesn't make any sense except like it's time. Like I, I really believe like this is the generation that's going to wake up and it's going to become a very, very powerful church again, like kind of like the book of acts, but it's going to require a lot of shaking and sifting. And that's uh, the truth. Just like, <clears throat> just like the Lord said, you know, he, it's the house of the Lord first. 
That's pretty scary that he's going to come after his bride first and shake it, which I think he's already been doing. I just think I it's believe so intensify. too. I believe so too. Yeah, I certainly believe so too. Um, you know, I mean, we've we've had conversations about the warfare that's taken place. <laughs> like, uh-huh. I don't know. I don't know. Like, I would say just about everyone that I I know, whether I'm tied to directly or or indirectly has faced some level of like persecution this year this year especially it's just like there's just been so much there's been so much warfare that's been taking place and everyone that i speak to everyone that i talk to they they all have their own version of it and it's like wow 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 it is it's been rough man Devil's been working overtime, but I think you know God's I like allowing. I believe stuff. it's a refining process, man. That's exactly what I was just going to say. Like God's allowing it to to build stamina in the true believers, the ones that want to do, you know, the work here in the last days, and also to refine us, our character, to make us more like Him, and that only comes by humbling, Matt. That's the only way. Humility, like, be broken, and and beat up, and you know, go through trials and tribulations, unfortunately, and then that usually does bring out that dross that that there's so many things that just if the last 15 months didn't happen for me personally i wouldn't have seen it i wouldn't have even known it was there so i know he like dug stuff up deep that was there that i didn't even know about and he's doing it for our own good it's not to hurt us he's not an abusive father he's just doing it to to show you first of all that he loves you and he cares for you and you can be better than where you were 15 months ago and that's it Yep, it's a refining process. It's sometimes refining takes extreme temperatures. Sometimes it takes extreme pressure. You know, to uh, to to produce the, you know, the diamond that's on the inside. But absolutely, man, I agree. I agree. Don't you I love can... it? Don't you love it though, Matt? Going through the chase. The chastening and the hard times—it's so fun. Oh yeah, 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 for sure. It's a it's a it's a great time. It's a great Mm time. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you look around at the people that are living, you know, of the world and they're just out there careless and carefree, having a, having a great old time. And I'm like, "Ah, I'm facing all sorts of challenges and pushback and persecution and all sorts of things. But it's like, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like when, when the true test comes, you know, when the true battle comes, you won't be equipped. You won't be ready for it. Which, I mean, honestly, just just as like a, a life point example, let's just think about like this, this like modern day generation. You know, the uh, participation trophy generation. You know, they, they've been brought up in a world where it's just like, Everything is they get so much gratification and even their parents don't don't teach them standards. Their parents encourage them to be whatever it is that they want to be. But then when the when they get out in the real world and it's not like that, then what happens? And then you end up with peaceful protests, quote unquote. Then you end you up a, with or or you, you know, go to your little sandbox and play with your little toys, your or your fur fur baby. Your, yeah. What do they call it? Your 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 animal, your uh, therapeutic your emotional animal, support animal. Yeah, emotional support animal. Yeah, 
you know, yeah. but that's the whole thing. It's like you, you're, you're setting them up for failure because the world doesn't care how you feel as much as they emphasize that the world doesn't care how you feel. If, if, if feelings were carried that much weight, which is all that everyone talks about these days, then why can I just not pay my electrical bill? Because I don't feel like it. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't feel like I have to pay for electricity. Well, guess what? Your lights are going to get shut off. That's just the way that it is. It doesn't matter what you feel. Right. The world doesn't care as much as they put this emphasis on it really to confuse the younger generation. Uh, the world doesn't care how you feel. <laughs> that, that, that's the truth of it, you know? And so I just feel, you know, I mean, that's, that's why it's like, I, I honestly feel saddened for them because you see that the the suicide rates have, have skyrocketed, you know, addiction issues have skyrocketed because when the real, the real world presents itself and then they're no longer under the, the covering of their parents, and they're not getting the things that they want. They're not, everything's not just given to them like they assumed was just going to happen. Well, you know, bad things happen. It, it, you know, I mean, it's just, you're really setting them up for something. And I feel like it's kind of the same thing. You know, we're going through this refining process and it's because when the, when the true test comes, you'll be, you'll be aptly equipped for it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's like when I was raising my children, I was very careful to make sure to teach them responsibility. I was very careful to to teach them accountability. I was very careful to teach them moral standard. And now, did they adhere to everything I ever taught them? No. I mean, what what kid does? What kid does? But I like to believe that they picked up the they picked up the most important parts and they don't adhere to the understanding that exists in their generation. You know, and so I'm grateful for that. That's why I always say, I don't know how, how good of a parent I was, but I must have done a few things right. Because they they understand the value of working hard and they understand, you know, loving one another and they understand of being good to each other. And, you know, it's just, it's it's just, I feel like it's important that we, you know, we we don't mistake our process as a punishment. Because it's easy to it's easy to look at it in that light that we're being punished somehow by this process. I think every every time I've ever gone through like a hard patch in my life, sometimes it felt like it would never end and I couldn't see the end of it. And, you know, Mm. the only light in the tunnel I saw was a train coming towards me. But, you know, eventually you find yourself on the other side of it and you're like, wow, you know, this is I really did make it through that. I was able to endure it. And this is what I've gained from that experience. It's hard to see it when you're in the process. Mute gate. Oh, 100%. Curious, curious Patriots said sanctification ain't a blast. Hey. I <laughs> 100% agree with that statement. Come on, somebody. <laughs> it is. It's hard. Sanctification, let's uh-huh. face it. Like, it is. Ultimately, he's forming us to be more like him. And if you accept it, it seems like it doesn't last as long. Like you can, you can still kick and scream a little bit and, you know, cry like a little baby. But at the end of the day, like you said, it's very gratifying when you do come out of it because you see what he did and it had to be done that way because right. you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have known it or you wouldn't have believed it until he dragged it out of you. And it does make you humble. I mean, it, it, it 
it's not false humility. It's an actual genuine humbleness that's, that he creates in you to have empathy and compassion for others and to love your neighbor. You know, like it's just, I, it's, I wish there was another way, but human beings are just, we're built like that. We're our, our fallen nature is anti-God. That's why the Bible says the mind is at enmity with him. We naturally want to try and find our way around situations and over situations and under situations, but sometimes the only way through the only the only way to to get past it is to go through it. That's just the way that it is. I think you made that reference before about how you would try to find workarounds, you know, because that's the way your brain just works. You like you got to try to find the path to least resistance. Sometimes you're you're presented with a situation where there isn't one. No. You're actually causing more resistance by trying to find avenues that are least resistant to you. You're finding more resistance. You know, you're creating, you're, you're dragging out the process mm-hmm. by trying to find workarounds and it's hard, you know, I mean, it's like I was telling you before we got on the show, I'm actually going to be doing my, uh, a eulogy on Friday and it was for a, you know, a friend of mine, same age as me, you know, a believer. We had many, many conversations we had many, many conversations about God. And, uh, you know, I saw this, I saw this evolution uh, in his life where, you know, he just got to this point to where he no longer wanted accountability. You know, he no longer wanted to be tied to anything. And, you know, so I saw him evolve because I, I met him when we were teenagers, <laughs> you know, and I saw him evolve from going through his rebellious party phase to going through his, you know, getting into his beliefs and really pressing into it. And then, you know, I kind of saw the uh, the evolution at the end there. And it was really sad to see that he just, he just kind of gave up because it just got too hard. It got too hard on him, you know, and he just gave up. And so I have to I have to present that eulogy on Friday, and I'm just like, wow, you know, this is a this is a tough one, because sometimes sometimes you you know, you you get into these places where it's like, I don't even know what I'm gonna do, and it's like you honestly you look you 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 lose faith, I believe you lose faith in yourself before you lose faith in the Lord. First, you lose faith in your in yourself and and what you believe that you can endure, and then your faith for the Lord kind of goes along with it. That's unfortunate. I mean, he did he did acknowledge the Lord while he was laying on you know on his deathbed. He did acknowledge the Lord, and I believe I believe that he was saved, but unfortunately, he endured a lot of a lot of self induced suffering because he was trying to find a workaround. You know. Instead of enduring and going through it, when things got too hard, he was trying to find a way around it. He just wasn't willing to push through it. And so, yeah, it's just, you know, we learn these things. It's like I, it's like I tell my, I tell my daughters often all the time, you know, we have to take something from everything. Every experience that we had meant something, especially if it was a difficult one, it meant something, you know, I, if if you walk away from the situations and you don't apply anything that you learned to your life, then what was the point of going through it? Exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You know? know. Khaleesi and Father Larry, good to see you both. 
Good evening. Yes, uh, yes. Khaleesi said we are we are losing humanity, Matt. I well, I, I, I understand can... what you're saying. I, yeah, I understand what you're saying, Khaleesi. But I'm we're on the brink of the greatest harvest in human history. Like that's where we're at. So it does appear that we are losing humanity. But I am a uh, eternal optimist when it comes to this. That God is doing a mighty and great work in these last days. And when I say last days, I am not talking like we the rapture's coming tomorrow. That I'm not in that crowd. I believe some really good days are ahead, especially for America, uh, at least for a generation or two, you know, before everything goes to hell in a handbasket. But right now, we need to be prepared for that harvest that's coming because there is there's going to be monumental events coming that are going to shake people to their core, and but that's God allowing it to happen so that they will turn to Him and they will be humbled and turn from their wicked ways. That's the generation we're in, and. That's why I get so mad at the church because the, the church just has been lazy, sits on its hands. I shouldn't, I hate painting with a broad brush. I do this quite often. I need to stop doing this. I'm not saying all churches. It's, there is a segment of churches and it doesn't matter the denomination that wants to sit around and wait for the rapture and think everything's good. And that's, that's part of a deception that government's been involved with. Obviously Satan himself to corrupt the church, to do nothing and be powerless. But there is a remnant that is ready for the challenge. And Matt's part of that remnant. I'm part of the remnant. I know there's other people that are watching that are remnant. And we are the ones that God is going to use in these times to bring a ton of people to him. It's not about us. It's not about an individual or even a, you know, a denomination. It's about God himself and his spirit moving and doing some amazing things and exposing evil exposing all these corrupt cabal elites the great pyramid that they built this babylonian system it's coming down revelation 18 that's where i believe we're we're about to see and i always thought matt i gotta tell you i always thought revelation 18 babylon falling and all that stuff i always thought that was like last day the rapture comes right all this stuff that that was my theology is what i believed then you read it and you start understanding you see the signs of the time and you're like whoa that's not it at all the fall of Babylon is actually a good thing because we've been under that Babylonian system and didn't even know it. And he's going to tear it down and set us free and save a whole bunch of people in the process. And that's, what's really cool. That's what I'm, I'm wake up every day excited to know that that day is fast approaching for these people. There will be judgment here on earth too. There's a great judgment, but there will be their time. Their time will come. And these people are going to have to answer for their crimes. And the church is going to rise to the occasion. Thank God. Uh, Father Larry, I hope is going to take lots of work by all of us God-loving. Yes, it is. It's for sure. And that's what we need. We can't be lazy. This is the this is not the time to sit around and do nothing. It is the it is the time to say, you know what? No, I'm pushing through. I don't care what's going on with my personal life or with my family. I know what God has called me to do, and I'm speaking in general here for everybody to say. I can do something. I, whatever God's given you, whatever talents and skills he's given you, use them in this hour and watch him magnify that. He uses the weak things to confound the wise. That's what he does. He's done it forever. Look at the, Matt, look at the disciples. They were a hodgepodge of people that you, you and I probably wouldn't have picked, most of them. 
right? Well, yeah, for like, sure. You just, I you mean, look at me like they, they were nobodies. They were just, <clears throat> you know, a, they had a tax collector for crying out loud, right? Matthew was a tax collector. And yet sure God took these these 12, you know, obviously Judas betrayed him, but took the original 12 and used them for his own glory. He was using the weakest among them to spread the kingdom of God 2,000 years ago. And then obviously to help author the Bible and, and everything we have today, all the, all the knowledge we have about what Jesus did is because of these weak people that he used. And we're just like them. We're all fallen. We make tons of mistakes. I don't do everything perfect every day. Um, I question things a lot. I have, you know, I'm, and, and I've always been kind of a skeptic at heart on some things. So it's like, I have to fight all these impulses <clears throat> knowing what's true and what's not. So it's, it's this matter of discernment at this hour that we really need to be in tune that I, I call it the uh, discernment antenna that thing's got to be like ready to go because there is a lot of deception in the church. I'm, I mean, there's plenty of deception on the outside of the church, but oh, I'm talking the, about that's the truth. There's the thing is inside. I think, you know, it, my wife and I, we've been, we've been active in ministry for years now, but you know, we, we even experienced it in, in, in ways that, okay. So <clears throat> we went to a church and we had, we'd gone there for about seven years until it got to the point where we we're like, okay, you know, nothing's happening, you know, nothing's happening. We're not, we're not seeing any big move here. And uh, ultimately we're, we're not growing anymore. And so, you know, we, we've been kind of on this journey on how to keep, I guess, how to keep growing, you know, keep growing, keep growing, keep growing. Cause because of the very same thing that you're talking about, there was going to kind of, there's going to come a time where you're going to need to be, you know, you're going to need to be strong enough to, to, and you're going to have, you're going to need to have discernment and you're going to need to have understanding. And so, you know, but this is the thing, even when we left, we had friends that were like, cause we went to, to do, you know, more evangelical ministry we were moving from church to church and doing speaking engagements and, you know, going to these big events and, you know, doing like, you know, going out and, and serving the homeless and, and doing all sorts of things. Like we were out there being active, you know, like we were active. The friends of ours that were in the church were like, why are you doing that? Like they honestly, they honestly looked at us like that doesn't make any sense. What do you mean you don't go to a building? What do you mean you don't go and sit in a pew? What do you, what do you mean? And it's like, I honestly, I'm more, I'm a little more concerned because you're asking me that. Because what's, what's happening over here in your life? Like, are you seeing the spirit move every, every single day? Are, are you seeing these, you know, the, 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 the manifestation of, of the gifts of the spirit? Are you seeing these things happening? Are you seeing like, you know, deliverance taking place? Are you seeing you know, fallen and backslidden people finding their way back? Are, are you seeing the unification of different, of you know, of different, honestly, denominations of different races? Are you out there seeing these things? Or are you just a, you know, a Sunday Christian who goes to Bible study on Wednesdays? I mean, it's all well and good if that's the, if that's the capacity that you want to live in, but you're, that's the very same people that you, I believe, are referring to is that person, you know, but the thing is, it's like, you have to be, you have to be active in your faith. 
doesn't have to be drastic. You don't have to be a, you know, a missionary in South Africa. I mean, everyone's got their own different calling, but the fact of the matter is you should be active in your faith or in pursuing that activation. You know, you plant far more, you, you, you get far more production when you plant your seeds in a field than when you do in the barn. I'm, I'm just saying, you know, I mean, it's just something, it's something, it's something to think about here. Now, again, I'm not questioning or can, or can, you know, condemning nor condoning any, any group of people. I'm just simply saying like, this is, this was my own experience where they're all like, what, what are you doing and why, why are you doing that? And it's like, because this is what we've been called to do. You know, this is what we've been called to do. We've been called to move, to go, to be active. You know, when I was going through my classes, um, one of my professors, my, my professors was Francis Chan. Have you heard of him? Mm, no, I don't think so. So Francis Chan, he's actually, he's, he's actually quite good. He's, uh, you know, he does, I guess, evangel evangelical speaking and teaching. Um, you know, he travels around and does teach, you know, speaking engagements and teaching engagements, but he originally founded a church and he, it started in his home and it grew to like a congregation of like 4,000 people. Like it, it got, it got to be a big church. And he was the, he was the pastor over the, over this church for like 16 years. He thought that he was killing it. He thought he was doing the Lord's work because he had so many people that were attending his church. You know, he, he said, I had 75 employees of the church, you know, massive, massive building, huge turnouts. I'm, I'm doing my teaching. Everyone loves my charisma. They think that I'm funny and this and that they were really into it. And then God checked me because of the 4,000 people that were in my congregation, not even 10% of them were actively doing anything. So why was I hoarding all these people into this building? Can you imagine the outreach that that many people could do and how, how far their reach could proceed if I could figure out a way to get them activated? And he's like, God just really put it on me. And I'm thinking to myself, but I worked so hard and I thought I was doing so well. I mean, this is a guy that knows the word of God. You know, this is a guy that doesn't, he doesn't pull any punches. It's not like he was like up there false teaching, but he thought that that's what it meant, you know, like to actually be doing well. And so he left, he left the church. He left everything that he had basically built. He left, he left the church. And so now what he does is he builds small churches in people's homes and he'll, he'll basically go and, you know, he'll, he'll work with them and, you know, have them appoint leaders and every, it's like, I believe it was every six months, that church would then split into two churches. And then he would go to the next one and do the same thing. Split it into two churches, split it into two churches. It's like, so now we're active in all of these areas and all these people are, are being, you know, being activated and elevated and in positions to actually work with what the Lord would have them do. And not all of them are pastors, you know, some of them are really good with finance. Some of them are really good with different things, but you know, you, that's what he, he's doing now instead of this, having this massive church. And he's like, it was a bombshell when it hit me over the head because I'm, I'm just looking out thinking, well, isn't this the goal to get a whole bunch of people to come to church? I mean, 
You want people about, to come to church. <laughs> yeah, that's a great example. Like, okay, so he has this monster church, yeah. which does nothing. It's just stagnant. And then he forms oh. these small groups that are out doing doing way more work yeah. than he had Outreach. with 4,000 people. Yeah. There's out, you know, they're outraged. They're out there on fire. They're shaking the neighborhoods. They're making moves for yeah, homeless, cool. homeless causes. And, you know, and he, he basically said like, you know, I, any of the, any of like the tithes or anything of that, it all gets, all gets filtered back into those ministries. Like mm -hmm. I help them found them. I help them build them. And then I keep it moving. He's like, you know, and I was like, see that, that's someone who, I guess, I mean, he gets it. He gets it. It, yeah. it doesn't matter how many people are in your pews. It matters what you're doing with the people that are in your pews. Like, are you teaching them to, are, you, are they being instructed to be deployed or are they being instructed just to follow you? You know, and, and that's, I think that that's, that's another issue is, you know, I mean, could you imagine if you had 4,000 people that were in your church and all 4,000 people, you'd never have everybody because let's just face it. Right. Some people, like you said, would just as well be content with just a, you know, nope, this is just what I do. I go through my, you know, my Sunday routine and I go and I go to church and that's what we do. And, you know, fair enough, <laughs> you know, but you're never going to get everyone active. But if you could get half, mm -hmm. if you could get half, 2000 people, 2000 people that have that have families and friends access to people that you have no access to. Can you imagine how the numbers would multiply? Just in that own in that little city or however big the city is. I mean, the impact sure. would be so immense and crazy. I know. I mean, like we have to get out of this revival. mentality. We have to get out of the mentality that we're locked in like the four walls or something like the church has never been a building. It's always been a body. And, and it people. doesn't mean, I know Father Larry said the Lord tells us to come together in his name, i.e. like at a church. Yes, absolutely. Don't forsake. Oh, yeah, I'm with yourselves. that. Believe he me, was, I'm with that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I but, agree. But, but we've been brainwashed to believe that you you stay within the walls. You do. Now, I, this is not every church again. I'm talking about some churches. You stay inside these walls and you, you know, come and pay your tithes and we'll do 45 minutes of worship, praise and worship. And then we're going to, you know. I'll hug and go in the, in the social hall after. And like, like it's just, there's, there's this like what repetitive, like traditional type stuff. That's not productive. I mean, it's not bad. It's just not productive. And it's not I really mean, doing like what I said, he, I, he I agree that yeah. we should, that we do need to gather and we do need to, we do need to be with one another, but I, I just, I guess I don't necessarily see where it's where scripture says that we should be, one body gathered together for, you know, 45 years. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's the whole thing. It's like, it, that's what Francis Chan, his real, like his, his real, like God shifted his aim to help people figure out what their gifts were and to help them activate them, you know, as opposed to, teaching them scripture and, you know, giving, giving them sermons and teaching them messages, which also is important. And yes, the gathering of the body is important. I agree with that 100%. But I do feel like there's too many of, there's too many of the body that's asleep. And, you know, that's, that's where the issue is. That's where I believe the issue is. I went to a church that I wouldn't say it was a mega church, but it was a big, big church. 
And I'm telling you what, with the with the amount of our the amount of outreach and and things that we did, my wife and I, we were on like every committee because we're, you know, we're we're on fire for it. Like, let's get after it. How can we make a difference? What can we do? But I wasn't even 10% of that church. It wasn't even 10% of that church. You know, 10% did a hundred percent of everything. And it's just like, you know. I get it. I mean, like I said, everyone, everyone has their own capacity. I understand, you know, that everybody's going to be charged up like myself and my wife that are, you're going to go every single month, month after month for years down to stand on a sidewalk at Martin Luther and third in the middle of the city of Detroit and cook hot meals for homeless people. Right. You know, not everybody's going to be charged up to do that. And that's fine. You know, I'm, like I said, we're really not here to condone nor condemn in anything. But, you know, it's just the fact is, I think that there's not enough emphasis on we all have a God given authority. We all have we all have a purpose in which we're sitting in which we, we, we were sent with. And. You know, it's, I guess it just kind of, it saddens me when I see that it's just unfulfilled potential. We all have a mandate. If you're a Christian, all you have of a mandate. Us do. First, to preach the gospel to all creatures. That's one of them. For sure. But then the yeah. other one, you know, he, you know, he talks, there's the parable when he comes back for the talents, right? And one buried him, one went out and multiplied his talents. And, and it's not, ta- I understand it's not skills that he's talking about. It was an actual form of money, but you can equate that with skills and talents and gifts that God's given you, where if you're just bearing what he's given you and not using it and hoarding it for yourself, that's really not Christ-like. I mean, Jesus was a servant. We're, we're called also to be servants. And if we're just kind of in this mentality of, well, you know, I sit around and I do do some nice things and I do, you know, I do pray and stuff like, okay, all that stuff's good. We're not saying it's bad, but we just need to be more proactive as, as the body of Christ. Like there has right, to that's be really more. all I'm we, saying. We are, it's not, we are it's more not really than capable a, you know, of doing a judgment great things by any yeah. means. I mean, even like curious patron says, it does keep you disciplined structure in general. That's, that's right. People do, people do need that. I mean, it's almost like, it's almost like you, you get into a routine, not saying that they're the same thing, but you get into the a routine of going to the gym and after you begrudgingly get through the first few weeks, it becomes part of your, it becomes part of your cycle. And it's good. But then all of a sudden you fall off for a week and then a couple of weeks and then you just stop going altogether. So I understand that that structure is necessary because that's how we are. You know, what, what we, what we do in our life is what, is what maintains our attention. Even if it means staring at your phone, <laughs> you know, like whatever it is, like what, what our focus is, you know, what we do most in our life is what maintains our attention. And so that's really what it is. I mean, I, I, again, like I said, I'm not, I'm not, you know, condemning or putting anybody down. I mean, everyone's got to walk their own way. You know, everybody's got to walk their own path, but I do feel like there's a, there's not enough emphasis on it because I've heard even personally, a lot of people saying like, you know, why does this person hear from God? But I don't, you know, like why, why does, you know, why can't I have the Holy spirit? You know, why does this person so Holy, Holy spirit filled, but I'm not, it's like, well, are you, are you actively seeking? Like, I mean, are you, are you truly believing for these things or is it just something that you'd like to have? You know, it's, it's, it's really a question of how, how active are you in your faith? You know, and you can be quenching the spirit too. 
that's really what I, that's what I'm saying is, mm -hmm. you know, people can, mm -hmm. your routines can be a hindrance is all that I'm saying. Um, not the church itself, not the messages, not the discipline, not the fact of, you know, um, you know, the teachers are out there because there's a lot of great pastors and there's a lot of great, you know, mission driven churches and things like that, that are really active in doing things. I'm not talking about like as an overall blanket statement. I'm just saying I do feel like even in my own experience, pretty much every church that I've been a member of, there was always about 10% of people that were doing 100% of anything mm -hmm. as far as outreach. And everybody else just went through their routines, you know, and Emotions. it's like, yeah. And I just kind of wondered, you know, again, it's not a judgment because I, I can't make you wrong. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not really for me to right. make you wrong, but it's it it's just it, it almost makes me sad because it's just like i feel like it's unfulfilled potential um you know i mean it, it could just be me i don't know maybe i'm just on a no i no i i agree uh curious that speaking for myself i need that structure i'm a wild child and i will go rogue left to my sinning devices yeah, <laughs> well hey amen you know i mean and he said he, he understood you yeah Joyful yeah. June, I think some somewhere in our soul there is a need to stop and smell the flowers sometimes. I do too. It's like right. there's nothing wrong. There is nothing wrong with rest. God commands us to rest, actually. For sure. We need it. We we need to rest. But there's also this thing where the church it's been a long time, Matt. I mean, I've been a Christian twenty years, and I've seen just in my twenty years a lot of laziness in the church. Well, and God yeah. does not like the slothful man. <laughs> like he makes it very clear in his word. And so one day we are going to have to answer for the skills and talents and gifts he's given us that were not used. And I'm saying like, it doesn't have to be like, it, it could be baking cookies, you know, for, I don't know, uh, a nursing home or something or whatever Simple your things. gifts are. Yeah. Just use them to the best of your ability. Visiting shut-ins, you know, and he knows you have to work and you have a life. He's not saying do it every, you know, if you can do it, a, once a week or once a month or whatever sure. you got the yeah. allotted time you have for those things we need to start using them because that does make a difference if everybody matt you said 10 percent of the church is doing 100 yep. percent of the work if 100 percent of a church let's just say it's 30 people in a church and all 30 people are actively doing things that's a lot of stuff getting done sure because is yeah that's Many a lot of to make talents. that work exactly and that's a lot of different talents and skills that are going to work in that in that community that are benefiting people you know going out in the community and helping unbelievers that shows that we're actually doing the hard work we're doing we're his hands and feet you know and it and yeah we're called to help the the brothers and sisters first i know that but i don't know it just makes a big impact when 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 we talk a mean game and nothing gets done we're hypocrites and there's nothing worse than a hypocrite. Like when, especially an unbeliever, when they, they, they look at Christians already and say, we're all hypocrites and they have a right to, to be honest. I mean, there's a lot of things we're very hypocritical on. We're not following in, a, in the Lord's footsteps sometimes. And it's, that's, what's really gotten me motivated over the last few years. Cause I just saw it firsthand over and over again. You're just like, man, this is not right. Like we got it. We talk a big game and then nothing happens. Like things got to happen. Even I got to, like, even for myself, through. even with, with at resting place, what we're, we were doing, we were supposed to do this, you know, we were going to do this once a month meeting on Saturdays. Um, we would go out for breakfast, but then we would go and fix people's things at their houses that needed to be fixed in our church first and then out to the sure. communities, whatever. 
And I got to say, I got super, super busy. Like I just had all these other things that were enamoring me. And then plus my own situations that are going on. And so I still feel like guilty to a point where I'm like, well, man, I wanted to really do that and nothing got accomplished. Now I am doing other things. I didn't just sit around and do nothing, but that's something I made a commitment to. And I feel like I haven't followed through on that commitment. Like I really wanted to do that and just things got in the way. And so that's something I still have a desire to do. And I think when I have the resources to do it, that was another thing. We didn't really have resources to do it. Um, I think that's, that's going to be something that would be very fulfilling, but also it's not about me fulfilling me, but it's fulfilling for what I know we're called to do. Um, I don't know. It's, it's yeah. Faith without works to me is empty faith. Absolutely. Father Larry. Yeah. hundred percent. It's like, there needs to be action behind the faith for sure. I mean, there should be a desire, Matt, inside of us as Christians to want to do those things, shouldn't there? Well, yeah, I mean, I think that we have a, like you said, we have a, an inherent nature um, for evil, but I also think that we have a nature for good. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, I mean, we we want to be, we want to be, I mean, a lot of us want to be everything to everyone all the time. But unfortunately, that's not that's not realistic. Um, but yes, of course, we want to be there to help, you know, um, like, I mean, it's like even with this, this eulogy that I'm doing on Friday, you know, they were looking for somebody. And of course, I stepped up and was like, yes, I'll do it. Do you really believe that I want to go and read the eulogy of my friend? <laughs> not really. No, not you know, in front of in front of friends and family and, yeah. and the whole deal, you know, but it's just like i have to i've got to i've got to do this because it's the right thing to do and to be quite honest with you like his family and you know his ex-wife they're they're over the moon with the fact that i was willing to do it because i actually knew him in life Mm -hmm. but for me it almost makes me nervous because i actually knew him in life Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know what i mean like (laughs) yeah you know what i mean tendencies I knew everything. Father, I've known I've known him since we were teenagers. You know? Father Larry said all churches need to do spiritual gifts assessment with 100% of their congregation. Then everyone can That's actually right. be aware of their gifts. I agree 100%. I I'm a big proponent of discipleship. There is very right. little discipleship going on in churches. And that is one of those, you know, labels, I guess whatever you want to throw in categories that need to be taught because how many Matt, I mean if you really think about it, if you went around and asked a hundred Christians. What are your gifts? What are yeah. the gifts you have? Ninety percent of those people have no idea. Well, I oh, don't yeah. know. Like honestly, I didn't know for the longest time. I didn't know what the heck my gifts were. I, I didn't know to, what I was uh, good at. I told you, 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 we had we had Apostle Brian on the show, mm-hmm. and uh, I told you how they do Freedom Fest every year. Well, one of the churches that he helped found is in Scotland. And so there's a, a, an apostle that, that runs that church in Scotland. And he was here, he was here in Michigan for Freedom Fest. And so he came up to me, he's just this little guy with like a hard accent, you know, just little old fella. And uh, you could tell he's got a story to tell. Man, does this guy hit you with the truth? Holy smokes, will this guy not pull any punches? 
Like he is not even he's not even worried about your feelings like whatsoever. He'll he'll tell you flat out, but he looked me in the eyes and he's like, "What do you do?" And I was like, "Well, uh, I'm a minister." And he's like, "No, what do you do?" And I was like, well, you know, I go around and do speaking engagements. He's like, I'm still not hearing from you what you actually do. And I'm like, I don't understand what you're saying. Like, all of a sudden, I'm intimidated by this little fellow. I'm like, I don't I don't know what you're asking. And he's like, what is God, what has God called you to do? And are you doing it? And I was like, oh, man. Okay. This guy just poked me right between my eyes. First time I met him. Didn't even, I mean, I knew who he was because Apostle Brian had told us about him before. You know, I knew who he was and uh, the, he didn't know me, but he marched right up to me and was just like, what are you actually doing? Not what title you have, not what, what, you, what you think you're doing, but what are you actually doing? What has God called you to do and are you actually doing it? And I was like, wow, okay way to make introductions you know like i literally just met this guy that's a great icebreaker <laughs> i'm telling you and you know the thing is throughout that day he he followed me around and caught me like three different times to give me prophetic words from god like this is what you're doing this is what you need to be doing this is what the lord is telling me about you like he was pursuing me around like the whole day and i was just like man this guy like I can't shake him, <laughs> you know. Like, like the Lord put me on His spirit, and He was just He was on me. But I was grateful for it because He called me out. He called me out. He literally did. He called me out. He's like, you know, because the thing is, a lot of times, you know, I, I I thought a lot like Francis Chan. I thought I was doing everything right. I'm always obedient. Everything I say that I'm going to do, I do. If I say I'm going to be somewhere, I'm there. You know, if I if I say I'm going to help with something, I do it. Even if it's hard to fit into my schedule or I'm too tired or whatever, that's why I'm careful to commit to things because I was the person when I was younger to, to say a lot of things and not follow through. So that became a reputation of mine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Take him at his word. He doesn't really stand up for it much. Why? Because I was lost and caught in my own way for such a long time that I just was like, you know, I had the, I had the best of intentions. I meant to do it. It's just like, it's just like saying to someone, you know, um, I'm going to pray for you. Well, why don't you just do it right then and there then? Because there's a good likelihood after the fact, you're not going to do it. <laughs> I've, I've tried to, when I say I'm going to pray for you, I do pray. Like I, I, let's, cause let's, I used to do, do that. Right now. I'd be, I'd forget, but it's been a long time. Like I started, if I told you I'm going to pray or I DM'd you or something like I am praying, like it's, um, that is a, that's a very common <laughs> Thing. that's what i'm saying I'm praying you know? for you and, and really there's no one praying that's where it is is this you know i felt like that's what i was being called out for is just you know making sure that i'm being intentional and i'm doing the things that i say that i'm going to do you know and it's like okay all right i get it i get it you got me <laughs> like you got me i thought i was doing everything right all right fair enough that's he what was, i get for he was holding you accountable and he didn't even exactly Big time, big time, like a pit bull, like mm -hmm. a pit bull. I mean, and I was just like, wow, okay. You know, I respect that. I respect that because he didn't even know me and he was willing to come up and tell me the truth. Flat out to my face. Didn't know if I was going to be a crazy person. 
didn't know if I was going to like haul off and yell at him or whatever, or, you know, run after him or anything like that. He didn't know. And guess what? He didn't care because he was just that bold as to say, like, are you really truly doing what the Lord has called you to do? And that's where it, it started this whole thing that I'm even into now. <laughs> like that whole thing, because I thought, but isn't that, yeah. but don't you, you so appreciate people that are bold like that in the, in the faith. I've always appreciated that person because I want, if it's God speaking, I want to know. So I don't Tell care if it's going to hurt, hurt my feelings. I want to know what God thinks and what he wants me to correct. Like, and that's happened. Like Barb's really good at it. <laughs> Barb's well, that's what I mean. Like, you <clears throat> I mean, she's the truth about it. She'll call me and she's like, she, she used to beat around a bush a little bit. She'd be like, well, you know, um, I think I'm supposed to tell, I'm like, tell me, tell me, don't hesitate. Just tell me. I don't care. It's not going right. to hurt my feelings. If it's from Lay him, he wants me to away. hear. Yeah, yeah. So you got to have some thick skin. You can't just like, you know, <laughs> I don't want to change. I don't want to. We have to be willing. That's All right, right, man. It's two and a half hours. I am tired and hungry. Now Land it down, this. man. Let's bring it down. We yep. had a lot of conversation today. We did. And, um, yeah, appreciate you guys in the uh, out there in chat land. Both on Fox yes, Hole thank and you, Rumble. everybody, Tomorrow, for your commentary i appreciate it yeah good good comments uh so tomorrow rescue to foster 7 30 p.m eastern standard time right here on insight channel we have uh john lamb coming on who it should be a very interesting interview this guy is like a fighter um actually gosh i'm well i'll let him tell his story but he, he's got a lot of really big connections in po politics um this guy goes after people so can't wait to talk to him tomorrow that's gonna be a great show and then nothing the rest of the weekend, Matt. It is Christmas. So Merry no blender. We're not doing uh reexamined with Megan on Saturday. It's just a nice quiet weekend, catching up with family and friends and enjoying the holidays, man. So hopefully yeah, everybody hope has everybody a great has Christmas. A, if I don't see a blessed tomorrow. holiday weekend yep. and a joyful Christmas. Yes, for sure. What are you guys doing for Christmas? What are we doing? Hosting or going somewhere? Uh no, we we go to my in-laws. Um, yeah, they've got a much they've got a much uh, a much more suitable space to house all of us because yeah. the family continues to expand. Mm -hmm. And so you know, I mean, we've hosted it before, but it's standing room only at this point in my house. So. Yeah. 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 If so you don't have like go... a big basement or something, it's hard to have. Yeah, that's what they do. They have a big yeah. finished basement and everything. So we all we we always go there for Christmas. So yeah. it'll be good. Yeah. It'll be good. Family get together. Eat eat way too much food and you know That's the best part. Just hang out. Yeah, yeah. Best it's, part's it's, the food. It's a, it's a and thing. the white elephant. We do a white elephant with the guys. It's pretty fun. Sure. Make sure you come up with something awesome. I do. I always, I, actually, I haven't even, man, I didn't even think about it until just now. I got to find something still. Yeah, you better. You better. Yeah, we got plenty of a, junk around I found here. A, 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 this unicorn plaque from like 1978. And I was like, <laughs> perfect. This is going to be great. And uh, the youth pastor at the church we were going to, he 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 was the one who got it and of course no one would take it from him and uh so he ended up getting stuck with it and then he tried to, he tried to leave it there 
discreetly and i was like no 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 <laughs> oh no this is coming with you and so <laughs> i took it and put it in his office but i also made a blow up like a blow up version like full poster size and put it on his office wall it's like you're not getting rid of this buddy this is your gift <laughs> awesome. <laughs> uh, the white elephant's pretty fun there's a lot yeah. of good stuff there good for times. sure all right i'm pretty sure i got a Let's pair of uh those underwear that you like you add water <laughs> and <Yeah>. some poopery <laughs> yeah there's always yeah. that stuff too so all right everybody have a great night be blessed yeah, good night everyone Take care. we'll see you next time you still here it's over go home Go.